Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. From News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, this is Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. Look at me. Here I am, right where I belong. I see that face coming back to me like an old familiar song. What better place could anyone be? Cause you're here with me. It's all I've been looking for and so much more. And now I'm here. Yeah. Now you're here. Nothing can go wrong because I am right where I belong. Well, let me give you some context this morning. This is not the song that Beth woke up with today. Because I don't know the song Beth woke up with today. Beth is not here. She is off today. That's it. That's what's been missing from the show. What we need more frogs and dogs and bears and chickens. But <laughs> she and I always joke because the show, you're gonna be in the when show. this first started with the the Beth song of the day, and and maybe some of you listening don't know how that started. Uh, it started because when we started doing the show together, I don't know, a few weeks in, she would come in humming a song, and then eventually we realized, okay, every day this woman wakes up with a song in her head, and most days is completely different. It's, it's like her own separate radio station. And so then we started making it a thing because we said, well, well, let's not work against it. Let's actually harness the power and use it for the good. And there have been days when when people have uh, heard Beth's song and it meant something to them. Uh, remember the Strangers in the Night Day where it spoke to a guy who needed to hear it and sort of changed the trajectory of his day? And, and then we've met people out at uh, events who say, well, I don't get out of the car until I hear what Beth's song of the day is. Well, Beth is off today, so I don't know. Maybe she'll text me. But uh, we always joke because I, I tend to wake up with the same few, if I do at all. I don't wake up with a song every day, but there are certain songs that just kind of stay in my head. And for some reason, this song from the Muppets Take Manhattan back in 1983 <laughs> lives in my head on many days. <laughs> and it's, a, it, it's like an overture, so really it's, uh, it's this one. I don't know. I was always a Muppet fan. I like that movie. But I have to be transparent. This is one of those songs. And then, if you really want to get weird, a lot of times it's that song or it's this song. Boy, the way Glenn Miller plays. <laughs> I have no idea why. Guys like us, we had it made. Those were the days. So, uh, Bo Thompson uh, you know, bounces back between All in the Family and the Muppets and a few other songs along the way. But So, for me, there's not a whole lot of variety, Bernie. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's a few of those, and <laughs> it doesn't really make for a good segment every day. Wait, what is this? Bo, I think you should start waking up to this kind of music in the morning. Little this, Creed. Oh, Creed. Little Creed. <laughs> you know, you know... Uh, Former County Commissioner Matthew Ridenour is a big Creed guy. In fact, he just treated, tweeted something by tre- a Creed last night. said, we didn't understand how good we had it back at the height of Creed. It's absolutely true. You're, you're a big Creed guy, oh, too? I love Creed. Well, crank that back up. It's okay. Right, it's right. Right. I'm, I'm okay with it. Oh, that actually worked out perfect. The post <laughs> and everything. Just a fantastic song here. This is what happens when Beth is not here. 
Sorry, Beth. We get we get Creed, we get All in the Family, and we get Kermit. I've told Beth that uh, I'm gonna I'm just gonna wish it into existence. She's gonna wake up to Creed one day. See, this sounds to me like warmed over Pearl Jam. This is better than Pearl Jam. <laughs> Pearl. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So welcome to Monday, February nineteenth. So Beth's not here today. Zoki's not here today. So it's just Bernie and me, which is fine with me. I'm love love hanging out with Bernie, uh, but it's going to be less uh, uh, lively as far as group activity here in the room today than it normally is. We're just uh, uh, the two of us hanging out, and you as well. Seven zero four five seven zero eleven ten. Now uh, a few things right off the top here. Uh, the NBA All Star Game. You heard that with uh, Sharon, the score, just a minute ago. Uh, Again, let me say the score again. 211 to 186. Now, I love the NBA. I love the All-Star game. I'll watch it no matter what. But uh, I fell asleep last night because I can't make it to the end of these games. But when you have a combined total of 397 points, you know, anybody who got a rebound in this game is basically the MVP, right? A defensive rebound? <laughs> I mean, come on now. Uh, this is where I, I look at the score, and I didn't see a lot of the game, but the, the highlights that I did, did see, they look, you know, they look about as enthused to be there as uh, you know, watching paint dry. But it seems to me like uh, you need to do something like the Major League Baseball All-Star Game did for a few years and make there be some incentive for winning that extends to the postseason. I, I get I'm in the minority, but there were those years where they did uh, the winner of the MLB All Star Game got got home field advantage in the playoffs or in the World Series, I should say. I was okay with that. Some people said, "Oh, it's blasphemy! You can't do that. It's it's ruining the the integrity of the game." I thought it gave everybody a reason to play, and obviously, when you have a combined total of 397 points, there needs to be an incentive to play, and it ain't, it's not there after last night. So uh, that's the NBA All-Star Game. And then the Daytona 500 is postponed till today. Uh, We're going to talk to uh, old buddy Doug Rice from the Performance Racing Network, who is just one of the longtime voices of NASCAR. And Doug's going to join us at, at, uh, let's see, 9.05. And the cool thing about Doug at the Daytona, Performance Racing Network is the tandem uh, radio uh, play-by-play Entity, it's you know, races are either MRN, the Motor Racing Network, or PRN, the Performance Racing Network, and PRN has a certain number of tracks, and MRN does. Well, MRN traditionally does the Daytona, but because Doug is retiring and this is going to be his last season, they've invited Doug to call some of the action today, and he's going to do that this afternoon at the rain postponed at Daytona 500. So Doug's going to join us at 9:05 this morning. He he comes on every once in a while with us and is uh, just one of the great voices in um, in sports. Period. So a longtime friend of the show. We'll talk to Doug a, a little bit later. Mick Mulvaney is going to join us early today about 735 because he's traveling. He's going to call in. Uh, we got lots of things to talk about. Um, Bernie did not buy a pair of the Trump shoes, but they're sold out, so you I can't anyway. No? I did not. I'm sorry. When we come back, um, interesting thing, last night, American Idol launched. It's I've lost track of how many seasons they've had. But American Idol last night had a Charlotte contestant who has ties to the Carolina Panthers and the NFL. And this is pretty cool. And I think this guy could go far based on his audition. Did you hear his audition? All right, so you're going to hear this for the first time. I'll play some, uh, some audio from it last night as ABC launched the uh, newest season of American Idol. Bo Thompson, Bernie here. Zoke is off today. Beth is off today as well. News Talk 1110 WBT. Approaching 620 on your Monday morning, February 19th. Remember this? Gosh, back in the day, I used to watch this show all the time. Now, it's interesting because Beth and I both worked at the Fox affiliate that carried this at the time. 
Now it's on ABC, of course, but American Idol started out on Fox, and in the 2000s, boy, uh, that show was the number one show on all of TV, and, and both of us at different times worked at the what then was the Fox affiliate, WCCB, here in town, and uh, we also both worked on the night when they had the finale, which was like the Super Bowl, and the Super Bowl for the Fox Network affiliates. Of course, now now it's not nearly uh, the followed show that it was, but there was a time back about 15 years ago where everybody watched this show. So all of that said, last night was the debut of American Idol in its latest season. And of course, it's been on ABC for what maybe 10 years now. And Beth and I've had the conversation before about the fact that uh, you know in those days when it was brand new, it had Simon Cowell and Paula Abdul and what uh, Randy, what was Randy? Randy Jackson, Randy Jackson, yeah. And now I do, I do like their current lineup. I think, uh, and it actually gives Lionel Richie a, a bit more street cred now that that Netflix special shows how integral he was in uh, the "We Are the World" song. I mean, he was the guy that corralled all of those mega stars on that night back in 1984. Another plug, if you haven't seen uh, The Greatest Night in Pop, which is the 40th anniversary We Are the World documentary on Netflix right now, do yourself a favor and go watch that. Have you watched the whole thing yet? No, I need Uh, to watch it. See, to me, I I liken it to uh, the entertainment music version of The Last Dance. Now, it doesn't have 10 parts. It's like an hour and a half movie or documentary, but it's that good. Like you're seeing tape of things that you've never you never knew existed and you're seeing these these stars that are intermingling. Just like you watch the the last dance uh, several years back and you're seeing footage of Michael Jordan and and Scottie Pippen and Rodman and all those days and Phil Jackson and you never saw a lot of that tape. That's what was so cool. But anyway, so Lionel Richie has some street cred now because the kids now see him and see what he did for We Are the World. But I like the current incarnation with Lionel Richie. In fact, I like him better than Randy Jackson, I think. But then they have, what, uh, Katy Perry and Luke Bryan. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's the show that's on ABC right now. And it's a, it's a decently watched show, but it's nothing near what it was at its height. You know, back on the Fox days. That all said, you know, it does well enough that they keep it around, and so it's back for another season. All of which to say that uh, last night, one of the contestants. So this was the first. This was the season premiere, and you know, they do the audition round where they have uh, people coming through, and I guess they'll do this for what, like a month, where they'll have the auditions, and you'll see all the people who get their tickets stamped to Hollywood, and then they go compete in the middle rounds, and ultimately they're on a stage against everybody. And uh, they're looking for the next, you know, Kelly Clarkson or Carrie Underwood. But that's my problem with the show now is you can't name the last 10 winners. Like back in the day, the first five years of that show, you can name all the winners. Kelly Clarkson, Carrie Underwood. Jennifer Hudson. Jennifer Hudson. Ruben Studdard. Except Hudson didn't win. Oh, she didn't. That's right. Jennifer Hudson. The show was so big then that she was just an also ran and she became a huge star. Who won that year? Um, uh, Fantasia won. Oh, that's right. Um, here's the ones I can remember. I can remember Kelly Clarkson and then Ruben, right? Ruben, Ruben Stuttered, yep. who beat out Clay Aiken. Mm-hmm. And then I believe it was Carrie Underwood and maybe Jordan Sparks. Jordan Sparks sounds right, yeah. And um, That's not, the last one I can remember is yeah, Jordan Sparks. Not, well, I know that Scotty McCreary won one year. Yep. But so anyway, I can name about six or seven of them, and then 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 nothing, and then I can't name a single one who's won it on ABC. But anyway, last night one of the contestants was somebody from Charlotte, North Carolina, and it was a guy who has has ties to the Carolina Panthers. My name is Blake Prohl. I'm 24 years old, and I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. All right, incoming. Howdy. Hello. How are you? I'm a little anxious. I'm not used to this at all, so I'm what do you very, mean? very excited, though, I promise. What are you used to? 
Um, How long did you play in the NFL? About three years. Just what position? Uh, wide receiver. My dad played in the league for about 17 years, and I grew up and kind of dedicated everything I know to football. And my dream was to make it to the NFL. I um, signed with the Minnesota Vikings. Whoa. And so how did you end up here from there? I went through a really tough injury. And so what happened to you? Um, I tore a bunch of stuff. I don't want to get graphic. They just said, hey, like, it'll be a success story if you're able to just, like, run again in general. But we're here now, so I wasn't able to walk for so long. That's where music kind of came in and saved me. My grandma is the reason why I'm here. I really didn't believe in myself at all music-wise, and she's the reason why I have any confidence at all to be in this room. Do you like singing around her or for her? Yeah, yeah. So I um, started playing and learning, and I, I pranked her, and the video kind of went like viral. She's got a southern accent, so she was like, Blake! <laughs> and I was like, it was really funny. I so. want to hear what she sounds like. Bring her in. Okay. There's Nana. You got the Come on in. Nana's cool. Get ready for Nana. She's Tell very cool. Get in, Nana. Uh, there you go. This is Nana. Hey, if you could rewind into that first time I did it, and then you could look into the future and say, hey, we're going to be on American Idol doing this exact moment, it's really crazy to me. I can't count the times I almost said what's on my mind, but I didn't. I just didn't. And just the other day, I wrote down all the things I'd say, but I couldn't, I just couldn't. One of the things that I've been feeling, it's my cheeks now. Mm, it's time you hear it, in case you didn't know, baby I'm crazy about you. I would be lying if I said that I could live this life without you. So that's uh, that's the son of Ricky Prohl, who used to be a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers. And if you remember uh, Wake Forest before that, uh, that's the son of Ricky Prohl. His name is Blake Prohl. Uh, he went to Providence High School, and then he went to ECU, and then he played in the NFL for a few years. I went to Providence High School. Do you remember Blake Prohl? No, I'm much oh, older than okay. Blake Prohl. I was trying to give you that. I'm much older. Uh, uh, well, uh, actually, yeah, I do. I'm 12 years old. Remember, as Jim Zoki would say. So I do remember Blake. Okay, we best friends. <laughs> so Zoki, Zoki tweeted last night or, or posted on X. I, that right there is the first time I heard him sing. Like yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, I gathered the audio this morning, but I purposely didn't listen to that part of it because I wanted us to listen to it together, Bernie, and see what we thought. So Zoki, uh, the thing that put this on my radar, because like I said, I don't watch American Idol every week anymore. Uh, it's been a long time since I paid much attention to it. But uh, Zoki uh, tweeted this last night and he said uh former providence day or i'm sorry providence high school star blake prohl just crushed it on american idol um go panthers so you may wonder okay i i thought that's pretty decent did you not oh yeah absolutely yeah i mean you know we, you could you could tell somebody's either they got it or they don't they don't have it and he obviously uh his his, his uh pitch and his range is good there so uh what did the what did the judge panel think of this last night Every grandma thinks that their grandchildren are great, but you're right! <laughs> let's go. All right, let's get serious about okay, this, because this is something to I get serious that. about. I can do that. If you will allow us to be your coaches. 
You're gonna be you can be just top fine. ten. You're gonna be just fine. <laughs> you just did that song the right way in a very believable way, in a very innocent, vulnerable, like every girl that you sit down and sing that to, they're gonna Hang be on. melted butter. Kind of like this one a minute ago. <laughs> but it was just a real moment. I wrote one thing down here that stood out, natural. Yeah. It's just one of those things that either you have it or you don't. And in this case, my friend, you have, Blake, you have stepped into a, an oval with- Thank you, I appreciate With guts that. and gusto. Yes, sir. That pair of ears right there. <laughs> You listen to her from now on, you hear me? Yes, sir. Because that's your beacon. Somebody's waiting to find out what's been going on in here. Congratulations. So that's uh, that's Ryan Seacrest telling Blake Prohl, the uh, son of former Carolina Panther Ricky Prohl, that he is going to Hollywood and is going to compete on American Idol. So that's cool. We'll, we'll see how far he goes. Yeah. But, uh, he's got, hey, dude's got a voice, and that's the start. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Six thirty-nine on News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT. Bo Thompson here on a Monday morning. Beth Troutman is off today. Zoki's off today. It's just Bernie and me here in the Tyboid studio. Sorry, Bo. No, it's all right, man. If I got <laughs> I got to hang with somebody. It might it's, it, it might as well be Bernie Bowles. Thank you. Now we love Bernie around here, and uh, hopefully we'll have Beth back tomorrow. Uh, a couple things over the weekend. First of all, and this one. Um, you know, we're watching, we're getting close to uh, the we get close to March Madness. I can't wait. I was looking at the schedule. Uh, uh, we got uh, what Virginia, Virginia Tech tonight. North Carolina is off this week until Saturday, um, so there won't be Carolina basketball on WBT. But you're looking at uh, how the ACC is shaking out, and uh, at the top of the list, I mean, Duke and North Carolina are, are locks. But then after that, it depends on who you talk to as to who's going to make the big dance. Uh, you know, in my household, I got a daughter at Wake Forest. We're hoping the Demon Deacons get things done. They play Duke at home this coming weekend. The Wolfpack, uh, who you know, my, my, I grew up a Wolfpack fan, and, and Bernie's a big Pack fan. The mm-hmm. Wolfpack had a had a nice win against Clemson this weekend. They did. So I'm 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 hoping that you get Tobacco Road, all four of them in there. I hope you get a Duke, North Carolina, Wake Forest, and NC State. It's been a while since all four of those teams made the big dance, but I think it's absolutely possible this season. But Duke, I mean, rather uh, NC State and Wake Forest have got uh, they got to take care of business. Oh yeah, you mentioned Pitt too, Bo. Did you mention Pitt? I did not. Well, Pitt. Pitt is up there. Yeah, I mean, the I, when I well. when I when I'm talking about uh, oh, you're talking t- about tobacco, tobacco road, road, but yeah, yeah. I, I I am still one of those guys, and I know it's like get off my lawn, but I'm still one of those guys that still after all these years, and I know we're about to have an, an infusion of even more, like Stanford's part of the ACC next year, but I still have a hard time embracing the idea of Pitt and Boston College, Syracuse, and, and Syracuse being part of the ACC. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. But I still love the fact that uh, we could get uh, Duke, North Carolina, NC State, and Wake Forest in there. And and, um, it's not a done deal. But anyway, uh, back in the day, 
Maryland used to be a member of the ACC. And uh, over the weekend, we got word that one of uh, the all-time great ACC coaches uh, was the coach of uh, Maryland for a long stretch. He also was the coach of Davidson. I actually have my father-in-law played for Lefty Drizel when Lefty became uh, a legend there at, uh, at Davidson. Uh, Lefty Drizel passed away over the weekend. Uh, 786 wins in 41 seasons as a head coach. He's one of two coaches with 100 wins at four different schools. Uh, the only other guy to do that was Cliff Ellis, you know, former Clemson coach. Uh, Lefty Drizel was two-time ACC Coach of the Year, won the 1972 NIT Championship with Maryland, and uh, was a Hall of Fame inductee back in 2018. So people around here remember him from his uh, time coaching Davidson and putting Davidson on the map. Uh, you know, this is before the Bob McKillop era. Uh, Lefty uh, was the coach of Davidson, then went on to coach the uh, Maryland Terrapins. This was a moment uh, from his Hall of Fame induction speech several years back. Uh, he was presented that night by uh, John Thompson, George Raveling, and Mike Shashevsky. I want to introduce my presenters here, Mike Shashevsky. And everybody asks me, why is Mike such a good coach? And I'll say, I'll tell you why. He, he graduated from the uh, Army. Uh, you know, West Point. Okay, graduated from West Point, and at West Point, you lead guys, and if they don't listen to you, they get killed. You know. So I think that's why he's such a great coach. George. John Thompson, I used to be a hero around D.C. till he came, right? And, and he took little old Georgetown, and we used to beat easy. And, and, I, and I quit playing him. I said, no, well, I don't want to play Georgetown anymore. But he has done more for basketball in, in the, in around in the country, really, for, for anybody I know of. And he, and he made Georgetown. Most of y'all probably never heard of Georgetown until he got there. And George Ravlin, my main man. You know, I know he's been pushing me for this for about 20 years because he was the first assistant I coached, I mean, I, I coached, I signed at, at the University of Maryland. And you know what? I heard him say, Lefty got credit for Midnight Madness. It was me and George. In fact, it's probably George's idea. So, I'm not smart enough to do stuff like that. Lefty Drizel passed away uh, over the weekend. Uh, like I said, all those wins he coached at uh, Davidson from 1960 to 1969, then moved on to Maryland, 69 to 86. Uh, James Madison uh, in 1988 to 1996 and finished up his career from 97 to 2003 at Georgia State. But just one of the all-time uh, classic characters in college basketball as far as head coaches very successful he coached uh, names like lynn bias he coached uh, you know john robinson who used to do mornings here on wbt john robinson played at maryland as a basketball player played for lefty and like i said i have a, a family connection because my father uh, my father-in-law uh, ron stone played for lefty at davidson so just a very decorated career and uh, again that was uh, over the weekend he passed away news talk 1110 wbt traffic check now let's see what happening on yeah. those streets boomer von cannon you're talking about a legend there in lefty man that's that right is an all-time legend he is my gosh the ball players he had at davidson like lynn El- i mean at maryland lynn elmore and 
John Lucas and Adrian Branch and those guys. Man, I have a gosh, I have a, a guy that um, that I that I knew. Uh, he, I, he he spent a little bit of time here, uh-huh. uh, and he uh, works at Davidson uh, in their uh, their uh, PR department, uh-huh. and he tells stories about how. Lefty would call and they'd have him on speaker. You know, uh-huh. he'd call back to Davidson just to uh-huh. talk. To me. <laughs> you talk about a piece of work. Oh, know. Lefty Drizel. He had a little place to do a little side venture when he was coaching at Davidson. Lefty's Pizza Den in downtown Davidson. Had a little pizza restaurant. Did well with it, too. Now, see, I was a student there. That must have been well before <laughs> it me. Was, it was gone by the time, but yeah, yeah. yeah. He had it for a few years there. Well, uh, so. Lefty was 92 years old, so he passed away over the weekend. So I wanted to make mention of that at some point this morning because, uh, you know, a- old school ACCers and, oh. of course, old school Wildcats oh, yeah. know that name very well. He really is a one of a kind. Yes, True. sir. He does. He does fit that description. We told you on Friday about uh, the Apple Vision Pro. Uh, some people, after. Uh, uh, shelling out $3,500 to buy the, the VR glasses. I actually was walking through the mall yesterday, and I saw I saw people in the in the Apple store. I was over at South Park, and I saw people in the Apple store trying those things on. And I'm thinking, boy, that's, an, that's a test drive right there. You know, I wonder how many people they have go put them on and then say, yes, I will uh, give you my uh, $3,500 uh, to take these home. But people are starting to turn those uh, back in because they're having some issues with them. So that was the big story we were talking about last week about uh, the next big thing. And then, and then, after his uh, $355 million judgment late last week, what does Donald Trump, presidential candidate Donald Trump, do next? He unveils Trump-branded sneakers at SneakerCon. And uh, I'm here to tell you, these are already sold out, but this is what he said as he was unveiling them. I just want to tell you, you know, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I have some incredible people that work with me on things, and they came up with this. And this is something I've been talking about for 12 years, 13 years. And I think it's going to be a big success. That's the real deal. That's the real deal. What's the most important thing? To go out and vote, right? We have to go out and vote. We got to get young people out to vote. And you're going to vote and we're going to turn this thing around. This country's not doing so well. We're going to turn this country around fast. We're going to turn it around fast. And we're going to remember the young people and we're going to remember SneakerCon. You know that. It's a slightly different audience than I'm used to, but I love this audience. And go out, have a good time. We love you all. Thank you very much. And they went out and bought the sneakers. Now, there were only a 1,000 pairs of the gold shoes available, according to the website. So, uh, as they said, super limited. But uh, he <laughs> showed up at SneakerCon. Did you know there was a SneakerCon? Yes. You did? Oh, yeah. I've really? SneakerCon. Yeah, so, absolutely. you ever been to it before? Oh, no. No, um, I've got a few sneakers, though, in my closet. Well, I tell you, you know, Beth and I emceed uh, the Dream on 3 uh, Dream Gala about a month ago at the convention center. And one of the big deals about uh, the Dream Gala is everybody's decked out in their, you know, you know I was wearing a tux and Beth had her, her dress and everybody was dressed formally, formally except that you wear sneakers. So, uh, and then that's a cool thing. And everybody, the sneaker game for that night was unbelievable. So uh, I didn't know there was a sneaker con, though. And so... <laughs> that's how I set it up, actually, at my wedding for my groomsmen, is we all change shoes after pictures. You could wear whatever sneakers you wanted to. So did you have, like, did you have a pair that you bought specifically for your wedding? I sure did. Whoa, whoa. They're neon green uh, Adidas. 
they're like running shoes, yeah. but they're they're super cool. It's three D printed sole, and uh, I'll have to show you a picture. But they're they're on my profile picture on like Twitter and all that kind of stuff. So so Bernie, if you if you went all this to this trouble to have it for your wedding day, do you ever wear them again after your wedding day, or do oh, you yeah. do you put them on display somewhere? No, I've worn them since. Okay, then. no, they're good. They're good shoes. Was Emma wearing shoes like that? Uh, I don't think she wore tennis shoes. No, it was me. It was a groomsman thing. I told now, them see, they didn't have to wear the nice shoes all night. I remember at my wedding back in the day, so I've been married 25 years, but my wife, you couldn't see her, her shoes when she's wearing the dress, but for the reception underneath the dress, she was wearing tennis shoes because for standing that long, oh, it's just crazy. A lot, a, lot of, a lot of women do that. Um, but sneakers are a big deal. And so uh, over the weekend, and this is Thursday, late Thursday, they announced these, uh, these Trump special sneakers. Only 1,000 pairs of the gold shoes were available, and now they're gone. Um, let's see, at least 10 of the gold sneakers were randomly autographed by Trump, according to the website. He also launched the T-Red Wave sneaker uh, and the POTUS 45. Those were both priced at $199. And let's see, the regular, the Never Surrender High Top sneaker, uh, I say sold now because I don't know if they're going to make more of these, but they, they're sold out. So they sold for $399. So they're, <laughs> we're talking about the, <laughs> the Apple VR glasses. That's, that's $35.99. wonder if they were made in China. <laughs> I don't know. I saw, I saw a picture of the, the same exact shoes minus the T that Trump had put on the shoes, and they were like $20 online. Oh, so really? if anybody out there is looking for some knockoff Trump shoes, uh, I can work on that for you. If you'd want to send me a personal email, uh, bernie.bowles at radio well, one Be careful, Bernie, because uh, <laughs> they, they sold out majorly fast here. I'll sell them half off. Trump sneakers, according to Axios, are not designed, manufactured, or distributed, or sold by Donald J. Trump, the Trump Organization, or any of the respective affiliates or principals. Um, 45 Footwear LLC uses the Trump name, image, and likeness under a license agreement. So something tells me there are going to be some more of these shoes made before it's all over. But, uh, yeah, there, there's, there's President Trump uh, showing up at SneakerCon late, uh, late uh, Thursday because, well, <laughs> hello, not? fellow kids. Why not? <laughs> it's, it's almost <laughs> 7 o'clock here. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Good morning, Bo and Beth. I hope y'all are having a great morning. Oh, so, we are. So far, so good. How are you? I had WWE Network, and to your point a minute ago, you could watch a match from 1987. Wait, hold the phone. There was a WWE streaming service? Yes. In fact, Vince yes, Coakley was was one of the first. He was a pioneer <laughs> in all this. Vince Coakley? I mean, Vince Coakley. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Vince McMahon. <laughs> I was like, what? I thought that was amazing. No, I'm sorry. No, I did not out. see that coming. <laughs> That's a promo. <laughs> no chance. So that's what you got. This is Good Morning BT. News Talk 1110 WBT on Monday, February 19th. Coming to you live from the Ty Boyd studio. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman is off today. Jim Zoki is off today. So essentially it's just Bernie and me. Which is fine. I love hanging out with Bernie. But it's a, it's a little... Quieter in here than usual, but glad to have you with us. Coming up on the show today, Mick Mulvaney is going to join us early. He's got some uh, traveling conflicts. 
this week, so he'll be back in studio next Monday in the normal 9 to 10 spot, but he's going to join me coming up at the bottom of this hour at 7.35 and talk about a wild week in politics, and we're now less than a week away from the South Carolina primary. That is coming up on Saturday. We now know that uh, President Trump is going to make a, an appearance in Rock Hill on Friday night, the night before Election Day. He'll be speaking at Winthrop. Uh, university, so we'll have uh, some more details on exactly how that's going to work out in just a little bit. And by the way, <laughs> he was just uh, the guy was just talking about uh, you know classic uh, you know WWE moments. C- can I give you one real quick right here, just because it just popped up? Look at the stare of the champion against the challenger. The irresistible force meeting the immovable object. Look at the size of the giant. I mean, Hogan is six foot eight. Andre is seven foot five. The bell is gone. This one is officially underway. Look at the look of disdain on the face of Andre. I just had to play some of that because that is the greatest wrestling, pro wrestling match of all time. 1987, WrestleMania three, Hogan versus Andre at the Pontiac Silverdome in front of what they, they allege was 93,000 fans. Now, people have disputed that over the years, that it was that many people, but uh, no one knows for sure. But greatest professional wrestling match of all time, Bernie, just in case you did not know that. I did not know that, but now I do. Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant. Hulk Hogan body slammed Andre the Giant. Andre the Giant is, I don't know if he's the, 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 the heaviest pro wrestler of all time. I, there are a couple of guys that may have given him a run for his money, but Andre was the Andre was the legend. So anyway, that made me think of that with Vince Vince McMahon there that uh, that rejoin where I thought Vince Coakley. Would, do we know if Vince Coakley has actually heard that promo yet? He has. He laughs at. He, okay, good, yeah. good, good. He probably laughs as hard as he does when I when I <laughs> when I see him and I say, "Hey, Vince, thanks for making us your choice for news." Because Vince had to say that for years and years when he was the the anchor on Channel Nine. Yeah. That's how they t- I, maybe they still do. I don't know on Channel Nine, but I always always pass Vince when I see him and I say. Hey, Vince, thanks for making us your choice for news. He loves it. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, I know how to push his buttons. <laughs> no, I love Vince. Vince is awesome. And Vince will be uh, later on this morning at 10 a.m. right here on News Talk 1110 WBT. So Mick Mulvaney coming up at 735. Now, this is going to be fun. Today uh, is the rain-delayed Daytona 500. It's going to happen at 4 o'clock this afternoon at the Daytona International Speedway. And uh, one of the guys that's going to be calling the radio action is Doug Rice. You may be thinking, Doug Rice from the Performance Racing Network? Yes, because Doug Rice announced recently that this is going to be his final season calling NASCAR. He's been doing it for many, many years. And I love having Doug on whenever we have an opportunity because I think he's one of the great voices in all of uh, American sports broadcasting. Uh, And Doug's just a legend and is always very generous with his time coming on this show. But he's doing something unique this weekend in that he doesn't work for the company that is calling the race on the radio. It's that's 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 the motor racing network. It's MRN. And if you're a NASCAR uh, fan, you may know that MRN and PRN sort of split the races that you have over the course of the NASCAR season. Uh, the races that are at Charlotte Motor Speedway are our performance racing network and some of the other ones uh, 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 that uh, are, are owned by the same group. Um, But at any rate, MRN has the Daytona. Well, because Doug is retiring, and this is his last season working full-time, MRN 
has invited him to call a couple of the laps today at Daytona. And it just so happens that it's going to happen this afternoon instead of yesterday. So it gives us an opportunity to bring him on the show at 9.05 and talk to Doug about uh, doing that today. Doug also did this thing several years back where he did the, uh, the Ironman, where he called the Indianapolis 500, and then he flew to Charlotte and called the uh, Coca-Cola 600. So you remember when, uh, was it Tony Stewart who did the Ironman thing when he he raced in both races? So Doug did the broadcasting version several years back where he uh, made the trip to Indianapolis and then flew by helicopter for part of it, I think, and landed at uh, Charlotte Motor Speedway and then called that race. So he's, he's done some cool things in his career, and now today he's actually going to get to call part of the Daytona 500, which I know um, is got to be on, you know, on the bucket list for him. So I've done it before. It's pretty cool. You've done what? I've called the Daytona 500 before. You've called the Daytona 500? I did. How, how did that happen? I just happened to be at the right place, right time. What? Do you have audio of this? No. Oh, no, there's okay. no proof. Okay. Just so alleged. You can't, can't prove that I didn't. It's like there were 93,000 people in 1987 at the, at the Pontiac Silverdome? Yes. Okay. Exactly. News Talk 1110-993, WBT. Monday, February 19th. Bo Thompson in the Tie Boyd studio. Beth is off today, as is the Zoke. You got Bernie. You got yours truly. You got Tommy. Just walking in. Tommy! There you go, Tommy. Tommy! Like a golf clap today because there's not as many of us. Tommy. We just had... We just had somebody call in a minute ago, and every once in a while, I'll go around, I'll go pick up the phone, and, and, and it's funny because people seem surprised. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I've worked around here so long. I, look, I started out here as a call screener, so I, I still know how all the equipment works. But every once in a while, I'll go over and pick up the phone and say, hey, hi, BT, as we used to say back in the day. And they'll say, oh, who, who is this? Well, this is Bo. How you doing? <laughs> It's always an interesting, like, I, I don't know. I guess, I, I don't know if, uh, does Winter Bowl or does, does Pete answer his own phones very often? No, Not usually. No. Um, I, you know, if the phone's ringing and Bernie's, I said, you know, somebody called in the other day and, and said, oh, where's Bernie? And I said, oh, he's working. <laughs> he said, oh, okay. It's very unusual. Yeah, well, you know. No, no, it's not unusual at all, man. you got a lot of stuff going on over there. But uh, we got a lot of stuff going on here today. Mick Mulvaney is going to join us coming up at 735. And uh, Mulvaney's a little earlier than he normally is on Monday uh, because uh, he's traveling and uh, we just kind of have to fit him in where we can. But there's a lot to talk about. Uh, of course. Now, uh, I don't know if you've been paying attention, but if you have not been, you should be. Uh, of course, you know about Brett Jensen's show at 7 o'clock, uh, Breaking with Brett Jensen, which is on this time of year most weeknights at 7, but then you have Tar Heel basketball conflicts and the coaches show, so uh, sometimes not. But on nights when Brett has been on, I think uh, especially leading up to the Super Tuesday elections, he's been doing quite the service. Now, we have talked to a lot of the candidates uh, for office here in the morning. Uh, we had our debate about, what, two, two and a half weeks ago at Winthrop, or, or rather uh, Wingate University, with all the candidates in the D8 GOP primary. Uh, Jensen has been having most of those candidates on in more long form for hour-long uh, in-depth interviews, and he's really been getting into some stuff, and I think it's well worth uh, you going back and listening if you haven't already, but he did he's done one thing with the candidates that I think is, is very interesting. Towards the end of the interview, he'll do a word association 
association with the other candidates. And, you know, very short reaction to those people that you're facing, or at least most of them, in this very highly contested primary. So in this particular case, uh, his most recent guest, I'm sorry, uh, this was like, uh, this was Thursday. Uh, he had John Bradford on, uh, State, S- State Senator John Bradford, and uh, they played word association. Um, okay, so I want to play word association. Okay. You can say one word, you can say a sentence, just okay. whatever whatever thought. Okay, okay. Don Brown. Attorney. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. That's one word. I mean, uh, I mean, I mean you, I, can, you can expand. Well, you can expand. I mean, when I, well, he's an attorney, and I'm sure a very good one, but I just think attorney. Um, Lee Brown. Um, <laughs> to stay in theme, she's a proud realtor. <laughs> um, what about Alan Balkum? Raises taxes. And finally, Mark Harris. Fraud. Fraud. Yes, fraud. That's pretty. That's that's a that's a pretty strong term right there. Well, I mean, when you when you harvest ballots to win an election, that's a violation of law. I'd say that's fraud. That's John Bradford with Brett Jensen last week. I said uh, I said senator. He's a house. He's a NC House representative. So uh, my mistake on that. But John Bradford was in with Brett Jensen playing the word association game. He also on Friday night did Jensen do the same thing with candidate uh, Alan Bauckham. I want to play word association with you. And you can speak as little or as long as you want on each of these word associations. Don Brown. Smart. Lee Brown. Very nice lady. John Bradford. Foreigner. Mark Harris. Ouch. Explain that one. He keeps changing. Uh, Very smooth, polished. He's never won an election. And... uh, but he keeps running. And uh, I asked him early on to uh, seriously look at the, his candidacy because there was three, three components. One is that it's not good for Christianity. Second, for his family. And third for the Republican Party. Alan Baucom on breaking with Brett Jensen on Friday night. Of course, Alan is one of those running for the uh, District 8 uh, GOP nom- nominee spot to uh, run uh, in November. And uh, Super Tuesday is fast approaching. So Jensen's been having uh, many of these candidates on his show. Uh, the, the, the previous three, you heard from Bradford, you heard from Baucom, and then he also talked to Lee Brown. So we're going to play Word Association. Okay, let's do it. Don Brown. Smart. And so smart. Anything else you want to expand on that? Are you just going to leave it? I mean, you can talk. You can say as little or as much as you want. Obviously, I mean, I mean. he's loud and smart. <laughs> okay, okay, he does. Like but that. he's a guy I'd want on my team, and that's what I said to you off air. If elected, Don Brown's the kind of guy I'd want to be a a great advisor to me about constitutional law because he's brilliant. Alan Balkum. He's very nice. John Bradford. Opportunist. Mark Harris. Slick. Lee Brown. Hilarious. There's Lee Brown with 
Brett Jensen. Now, uh, he has talked to Don Brown as well. Um, and if I can find the Don Brown portion where he did this, uh, I'll play that for you. He, he did speak to Mark Harris, but he talked to Mark Harris a good bit earlier in the game. So I don't know that he did the Mark Harris na- – I don't know that he did the aso- name association thing that he's done recently. But if you uh, have not checked out Jensen's show as of late, again, I would point you to uh, WBT's podcast section on our website because uh, as you've gotten to know these candidates, we sort of started with the debate – and we've had uh, many of these same candidates here with Beth and me on the morning show. But time, of course, is limited in the type of show that we do. But Jensen has been uh, doing some long-form, uh, hour-long conversations with these candidates. And it really gives you an opportunity to get to know them on a, on a granular level. So the Breaking with Brett Jensen every uh, weeknight, 7 o'clock, when they're not uh, conflicts with basketball. And it's why we remind you uh, that WBT is one of the only stations in the entire country that is live and local from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. And you see uh, the beauty of how that all works out in uh, some of those interviews he's been doing recently. So good job, Jensen. Check him out at WBT.com in the podcast section. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The road to election 2024 goes through Good Morning BT. Mr. Trump, welcome to Charlotte Radio. Good morning, Bob. Nikki Haley. You have a unique voice that you bring to the table. Good morning. It's great to be with both of you. The biggest names. Well, I appreciate you making some time for us here in Charlotte on WBT. Great city. The biggest year. Welcome to the District 8 North Carolina Republican Congressional Debate. Continuing coverage of all the campaigns. Jeff Jackson. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Congressman Dan Bishop. Good morning, Bo. Beth. Hi. Bo and Beth take you all the way to November. Talking to U.S. Senator Tim Scott here on Good Morning BT. Thank you, Bo and Beth. It's good to be with y'all. This is Good Morning BT. Monday in the Ty Boyd studio and now less than a week until the South Carolina primary. Bo Thompson here. Beth is off today on the WBT hotline. We're going to link up here with Mick Mulvaney, and uh, it's been a it's been a, a a little bit since you and I talked. Uh, nothing going on, just a, just a lazy week last week, right? Yeah, you know it's always boring in American politics. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Oh, I was under the weather a little bit, so I apologize for the roughness of my voice, but. Uh have missed getting in there. Look forward to get back there next week. Well, we're less than a week, Mick, and uh, has, has as far as you can see, has anything changed in this Trump versus Haley race as we're getting down to the uh, to the nitty gritty here? Not a lick. I mean, not even just a little bit. If anything, I think Nikki may have lost a couple of points in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I can't tell if she's just decided that it's all or nothing, or if she's just decided that. You know, she's going she's gonna to go ahead and be the anti-Trump candidate. She's certainly become a lot more aggressive in her language against the former president in the last couple of weeks. I don't necessarily you know, think it's a, a, a bad decision by her, but it's just not working. It's just it, there's, she's not moving the needle in her favor. The last poll I had uh, that I saw had her down by more than 30 points, which is, again, more than she was down two weeks ago last time we, ta- we talked. Well, uh, we'll talk more about Nikki Haley uh, in, in a little bit. I want to talk about the front runner, uh, Donald J. Trump. Uh, did you have it on your bingo card late last week that uh, Trump would uh, would launch a, a sneaker? <laughs> um, no, I didn't. Uh, I did Australian television last night, and they asked me. They said, uh, "So, what's up with the president's new golden shoe company?" I'm like, "There's a there's a line in the English language that no one has ever thought to utter." 
um, the president's former president's golden shoe company. No, <laughs> listen, the man is a branding genius. It's what he does. I'm not sure it's going to make any money, but I did hear they sold out of all the $400 pairs of shoes they had at that convention last week in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, he shows up at SneakerCon just because he can, and uh, he introduced the Never Surrender High Top Sneaker selling for uh, $3.99, and uh, they're all gone. I don't know whether uh, they'll make more, but they're all gone. And, uh, you know, I remember back when you and I were talking about the time that he he released the Trump, uh, was the NFT? (laughs) Remember those days? And and now we're talking about sneakers, and uh, not exactly the move. I mean, the $355 million judgment in the civil case... Uh, last week, and uh, like I said, if you had on your bingo card that his next move following that would be uh, launching a shoe line, then uh, good luck to you there. Yeah, you're gonna have to sell a lot of shoes to pay that. I don't think you can end up paying all that. You know, I've talked to some of my friends in the in the legal community in New York, and they they know that an appeal will be pending. Um, it'll come down a little bit, they think, but not a lot. And he's going to be on the hook there for you know a, a big chunk of money. Of course, you add that to the 83 million dollars that he was found liable to. Eugene Carroll. These are real serious amounts of money. That being said, I uh, didn't get a lot of attention last week, but the Securities Exchange Commission approved the um, the acquisition of Truth Social, his uh, his competitor, Twitter or X, and that's going to make him I don't know eighty ninety million dollars. I think. In fact, I think it's a little bit more than that. So. A lot of ups and a lot of downs when you're Donald Trump, it seems. Yeah, and uh, just before that, the Fonnie Willis situation in Fulton County, that certainly became a circus last week. Um, uh, exactly what he wanted. Um, I was doing TV on News Nation last week. So what do you think? I said, Donald Trump won this. He absolutely did. This has become a sideshow. It's become the Jerry Springer show. It's become daytime sort of, you know, television. And it completely undermines the legitimacy or, uh, or any legitimacy against of the cases against Trump, and they're not very legitimate to begin with. So when when you see Fonnie Willis having to go and talk about piles of cash in her safe and whether or not she prefers, you know, uh, red wine to expensive vodka, this is the Jerry Springer show, which Trump absolutely loves. So it was a huge win for him last week. Um, and I know we've got, you know, you almost get tired of saying that and say, how can these, these lawsuits against him be positive politically? But they are. Um, and you can see it in the numbers. He continues to do better against Nikki Haley and continues to do better against Joe Biden. All right, I want to talk uh, more about uh, what's next for Nikki Haley uh, if things keep going the way they look like they're going to go and end in South Carolina and on to Super Tuesday. But also we need to talk about uh, Alexei Navalny and uh, his death last week and, and how that figures into things uh, between President Trump and Joe Biden. We're talking to Mick Mulvaney. He is on the phone this week. He's uh, got a, a crazy schedule. Be back in studio next Monday uh, after the South Carolina primary and uh, then ramping up to Super Tuesday. I saw the uh, Never Surrender High Top Sneaker, and all I could think of, God rest his soul, is Carl Weathers' Apollo Creed dropping down from the ceiling in Rocky IV. It looks like something right out of Rocky IV. Mick Mulvaney joins us right now on WBT, and uh, yeah, talking about the Trump sneaker. As you said earlier, I mean, uh, <laughs> leave it to the marketing genius he is. I mean, uh, if, if anybody could have made that into something, it's Donald Trump. 
Well, we'll see how many can sell. Um, it's, it's got to, again, you got to sell what? My guess is about a million of them to make $400 million. So yeah. we'll, see how it, uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, so I want to play you a clip. We had Nikki Haley on the show last week. I want to play you a clip of that interview. I asked her a question about uh, a couple thirds way through the interview. Do you think Biden is going to be the nominee? And if you don't think it's going to be Biden, who do you think it's going to be at this point that you may eventually uh, move on to face? No, I don't think going to be the nominee, and I think Democrats know that. What I can tell you is there will be a female president of the United States. It will either be me or it will be Kamala Harris. Either Nikki Haley or Kamala Harris, but there will be a female. She said that last week in our interview. I've seen her say it a couple of times in uh, some subsequent interviews, but I, that, to my knowledge, that's the first time she said that when we were talking to her, uh, Beth and me, last week. What about that statement? Yeah, it's the big issue right now across the political spectrum, right? Left, right, in Washington, D.C., all over the country. Ever since that Department of Justice report came out about Joe Biden, um, you know, referring to him as coming across as a, as a forgetful old man and so forth. So uh, half of my Democrat friends are absolutely swearing up and down that it's Biden-Harris, you know, to the death, that, that there's no chance of any change whatsoever, any change whatsoever. And the other half are wringing their hands and going, how soon can we get rid of Joe Biden? Um, and then if they get rid of Joe Biden, is it really Kamala Harris? So it, it, no one knows. No one knows. Um, I wrote a piece for The Hill last week on exactly this, and this is the only thing I think I can add to the debate. Watch Jim Clyburn. Um, if they decide to make a move uh, at the presidency, they try to decide that the Democrats decide to try to replace um, Joe Biden, uh, it will be Jim Clyburn along with Barack Obama and a couple other leaders of the Black Caucus in Washington, D.C., that you'll have to go to. Because either they will come to Kamala Harris's defense or they will go on TV and say, you know what, we really like uh, Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan or we really like Gavin Newsom. Um, if you're going to make a move like that, it's going to have to be led by the, the, uh, the Black Caucus in Washington, D.C., and that includes Jim Clyburn from South Carolina. He was on TV this weekend, um, talked a little bit about the race, did not talk about you know potential replacements. But uh, those are the folks to watch. They have no idea what they're going to do. So anybody who on the Republican side who pretends to know what they're going to do is, is just making it up. Well, let me put uh, two more names out there. No doubt you've heard uh, these two names somewhere uh, along the process. But uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the former first lady, Michelle Obama. Any, any way those two could figure back into this mix, in your view? Um, two, two answers in the reverse order. Michelle Obama, I don't, I don't know the Obamas. I don't pretend to have inside information. Every single Democrat I've talked to, and I know Democrats up and down the party, including former National Party chairmen, former governors, senators, etc., say there's no chance, zero chance, that Michelle Obama will, uh, will run for public office. Um, she never liked being in public office in the first place. Uh, the family is done with Washington. They're making a ton of money. They have some privacy for the first time in a long time. Zero interest whatsoever from the Obama family. That's coming from, from Democrats who should know better than I do for sure. On the Hillary Clinton side, um, while I'm sure she'd love to do that, keep in mind there's one thing we know about Hillary Clinton, and that is she can lose to Donald Trump. And that's the one thing the Democrats can't stand. If they do move to get rid of Joe Biden, it's because they're going to be concerned that Joe Biden will lose to Donald Trump. Their plan right now Plan A, B, C, and D is to 
just to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't win. And Hillary Clinton has proven one thing above all, which is that she can lose to Donald Trump. Well, and I said uh, former first lady. I should have said ladies, plural, obviously, because they both have been that. But when you think of Hillary Clinton, uh, you think more recently as a presidential candidate and, of course, senator before she was uh, first lady back in the day when her husband was in the White House. Okay, so uh, this this story late last week, Alexei Navalny uh, dies in prison in Russia. Now, um, it's interesting because uh, you'd had the vote earlier in the week for this aid package that passed in the Senate without uh, anything uh, earmarked for the border. But, uh, you know, Tom Tillis, for example, said one of the reasons he voted for this uh, here here in North Carolina is because uh, of the situation of what it could escalate towards uh, with Russia and Ukraine. You had uh, people, many people on the Republican side saying that, well, uh, it sounds like things are under control over there. And then something like this happens as it relates to Russia. This has got to be uh, this is obviously a a bad moment for for President Biden, because now uh, everyone's looking down on him to see what 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 are you going to do next? And it gives Trump uh, reason to say uh, you got to be tough on Russia. What what do you make of uh, the political fallout of of the death of one of Putin's biggest critics? Uh, very little. Um, I don't really think it'll have an impact uh, on what's happening in Washington, D.C. Um, it's a terrible thing. There's no question about it. And the fact that Donald Trump hasn't talked about it is a little disappointing. Um, but I don't think it impacts politics much in Washington, D.C. And the bottom line is this. And you hate to say it like this, but this is the world we live in. It doesn't really surprise anybody. And there's nobody who's sitting around Washington going, oh, only we have done something different. This wouldn't have happened. Um, Putin's a bad guy. He just is. He kills people. He drops people out of uh, out of, uh, of, of buildings. He poisons people. That's he's always been like that. This former KGB operator at the highest level. So to suggest that you know he, he, he wouldn't do this is is it's just absurd. Um, it's um, uh, I just don't think it's going to move the needle. All right. Uh, final thing I want to ask you about, and this is a, an interesting situation, uh, somewhat predictable, though, at least in part, in that Michael Watley looks like uh, he's going to be the guy to take over for Ronna McDaniel. He gets the endorsement from uh, former President Trump. That's no surprise. But now uh, it appears that Laura Trump, uh, the president's uh, daughter-in-law, may end up being co-chair with Michael Watley. You know, Nikki Haley's been critical of this on the campaign trail. Uh, you would expect that. But what about the idea of Laura Trump and Michael Watley heading the national party uh, i'd like it a lot you know i've talked about on, on the show you know i've known michael for 30 years he's north carolina party chair very competent guy there was actually some discussion about him possibly running for the chairman's position uh, a couple of years back he's going to be very very good he is um low-key sort of a low ego kind of guy good operator going to be a good administrator i think he'd be an excellent party chairman Laura Trump is going to have to learn a little bit about what the RNC is about. You know, she went out and said that every dime that they raise is going to go to Donald Trump. That's not how the RNC works. Every dime that they raise will go to, to help all Republicans. Then it's not the Trump campaign. It's, um, it, you know, it's, a, it's, it's related to the Trump campaign. It's not the same. Every Republican nominee, every Democrat nominee always puts their people in charge of the national party as you go into the national election. Of course, Donald Trump's not technically the nominee yet, but it looks like that's going to happen. So I actually thought this was a pretty good move. Um, on, on the part of the party, Ronald McDaniel had lost the confidence of the, president, uh, the former president, so it's the right time to make the move, and I think Mike will do a great job. So you'll be in studio with us uh, this coming Monday, a week from today. Uh, Want to make a prediction about South Carolina as far as the margin goes? Yeah, I got Trump by 32. By 32. All right. Duly noted. I appreciate you coming on. Safe travels out there, and we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks, Bob. There he is, Mick Mulvaney. 
former White House Chief of Staff and, of course, South Carolina Congressman, White House Budget Director, and joins us uh, most Mondays between 9 and 10, and he'll be back in studio a week from today. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, this is Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. Brought to you by Ph.D. Weight Loss and Nutrition. It's time to cross the streams, a.m. and p.m. Bo Thompson here. Beth Troutman is off today. And Brett Winterbull joins me from the Brett Winterbull Show every afternoon. So it's a.m. p.m. drive coming at you on a Monday morning. Hope you had a great weekend. Oh, it's a, it was a great weekend. Very productive. I, uh, I want to read uh, a tweet or a posting on X from over the weekend that I saw from you. Uh, uh, you posted this on Saturday. A bittersweet day as I reflect on Rush on this anniversary of his passing. At the same time, happy to enter year five as part of WBT Radio. It's been a huge blessing. Thanks, all of you, for your support. Um, and so three years Saturday, uh, the passing of, uh, of Rush Limbaugh. And uh, in some ways, it seems like it's been longer than that. In some ways, it seems like it was yesterday i can say this about you and uh you know we're so fortunate to have you here in charlotte but one of the things uh, as i was just getting to know you um and, and you were starting here one of the things that you did uh, at the at the obviously the very end of of rush's time with us um but a a huge pinnacle in your career i know is uh, you had the opportunity to uh you know, be a guest host on the Rush Limbaugh show, uh, not only filling in for him when he was still with us, but then, you know, as they call the, the, the guide host after he passed away. Um, but I, you know, look, I, we do a five hour show here every day. So five hours is a, you know, it's a decently long shift. But one of the most amazing things I've ever seen anybody do in this business at any level was host the Rush Limbaugh show, filling in for Rush, and then turn around with about 30 seconds of time to transition and then host his own show from then it was three to six o'clock and you did that on several occasions back several years ago doing a six hour shift and three hours on the network and then three hours here so i remember all those things kind of flood back to me uh, as as far as that time period goes but that's uh you know i i, I turned around and said our afternoon guy is uh he's pretty good at this you know what the secret was? In all, in all, in all seriousness, the secret was an index card, and I had on one side of the index card the EIB network and the phone number, and on the other side I had WBT Charlotte <laughs> News Talk eleven ten ninety nine three WBT and the right phone number. Um, it, it you know it it was um, it was a blessing. Uh, it was I was really nervous the very first time I filled in for him. I was really nervous and. Uh, I just, I just kind of went with the flow, and uh, we just did it. But it was, it was a really special time uh, to be able to come in there as a guide host with the uh, with the other folks that were uh, sitting in uh, as well. And um, you know, I re- I remember getting the phone call that he had passed, uh, and and I was in the car with my son. Uh, we were running an errand, and I I, I got the call from uh, from the appropriate person who could inform me. 
and I, I look at my son and I'm sitting in the car with him and I'm obviously I'm upset. I'm sad. And I, I look at him and I go, nobody knows this yet. We're, we're among the first people to have been told that he had passed. And so we're sitting in the car and, um, right as we were heading home, we were running an errand as we were uh, coming home. Um, uh, you know, the announcement was made, uh, over the air and, you actually could feel a change, uh, sort of in the uh, in the atmosphere a little bit. I think because he was uh, he was an iconic talent um, and and one heck of a generous guy. And it was just it was really incredible. But just sitting there in the uh, in the car and and absorbing it because Luke heard at the same time I did because we were on a speakerphone, um, and it was really uh, it was really uh, something. Well, I just remember. Um I remember, and I've said this to you in at least some way before, but I, I've been around here long enough to have seen a lot of people uh, succeed other people on the air, right? Uh, somebody like John Hancock. I mean, it's, it's – or the stories about when uh, Ty Boyd, uh, you know, succeeded Grady Cole. And uh, I've seen other ones during my, my time here. But, you know, a lot of times with a station like this, I mean, 101 years old, yes. uh, legacy is a big deal, and shoes are – are, are hard to fill sometimes. And you were in a unique situation because there you are uh, taking the baton from John Hancock. And I'm sure a lot of listeners were like, okay, who's this guy going to be that comes in here? And, uh, well, it's a guy who... Uh who just filled in for Rush Limbaugh, the guy that preceded John Hancock on the air here? And I remember what an unusual, <laughs> what an unusual scenario to come in and and, and look. Uh, I mean, you you didn't need for that to happen. You've uh, you earn your stripes in your own right, both here and other places. But I always thought it was just um, just an incredible thing to be able to say. Well, I'm taking over, but uh, the guy that preceded all of these people all these years, I used to work for him. And by the way, I actually filled in for him today. So anyway. Uh, it was a cool thing to watch at the time and something I'll never forget. So It was cool. It's amazing. Uh, and, you know, people forget this, and I, I will remind them always because it was James uh, Golden who reminded me of this. Uh, Rush did more radio deaf than hearing on, on, on the network level. He was deaf longer than he could hear uh, during his years on the radio. That's incredible. When you really think about it, because as I've told you before, um, my affinity for Rush Limbaugh was never uh, about politics. It was always at a base level when I was in high school and I heard his show for the first time. I used to go to my car during lunch in high school to listen to his show Mm -hmm. because I was so fascinated with how he used music and bumpers. And and he was one of the first to use, you know, effectively use parody songs. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of the mechanics of what Rush did, people forget that he was a trailblazer in so many of those directions. So, you know, when we lost him, yeah, I mean, it's talk radio, it's, it's politics, but it's also just crafting radio uh, in, a, in a way that, I mean, I, I do not think it's hyperbole to say that Rush Limbaugh saved talk radio. Oh, yeah. Uh, saved oh, yeah. the AM dial at the time, and of course now it's AM, FM, it's digital, but I think he saved the format. He, he, he simultaneously saved the format and then revolutionized the format. Yeah, and, and look, he, he pioneered a lot of stuff, the Ditto Cam, so yeah. you were able to actually watch this show in real time. Uh, I, I will tell you something that was interesting about his ta- about the scale of his talent real quick here. Um, so we were in studio. It was me and Kit and Maimon, and we were in studio. And Kit said to Rush, 
He said, how are you able to still do Bill Clinton, even though you can't hear? Like, Rush is totally stone-cold deaf. And so he's, he's saying, how can you still do Bill Clinton and it's, and it's right? It's, like, perfect. And Rush said, because I know what his voice feels like inside my throat, basically, is what he was saying. So he knew what the vibrational thing felt like to do a Bill Clinton impersonation. And that's why he was able to do it for, for such a long period of time. And um, th- he just he was somebody who would innovate and he was somebody who would adjust. And that's the, those are the great skills of the greatest uh, uh, people out there who, who are at the tops of their game. And some people may be uh, coming into this game, you know, first-time listeners today, hearing you and me talk. And what am sure. I, the reason that we're, we're bringing this up is because you used to work uh, on the production team for Rush Limbaugh. That was how you, yeah. uh, you know, cut your teeth uh, in, the, in this industry. And what a way to do it. But anyway, I saw your post over the weekend. And, Thank you very uh, much. I it's thought about committed. you and I thought about the legacy of Rush. So I, I wanted to make sure I mentioned that today. All of which to say, the Brett Winterbull Show today. Starting at three o'clock. What we, what's going on to start the week? Uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a look at what, what's going on here with Navalny, and we're also gonna talk about uh, the the race coming up here, and um, uh, you know just just everything that's moving between now and uh, and three o'clock this afternoon. Well, I don't say this often enough. Uh, it's honored to be on your team, man. Uh, it, it is likewise. I, there's no place I'd rather be than than uh, on on this colossus, and I understand the 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 blessing that has been in my life because of you guys and uh, i'm really happy to be here well like i've always said that's why you're a perfect fit because uh, you you understand the legacy of this station and uh, we're all pulling the pulling the rock in the direction of uh, of making sure we live up to it or try to so we'll talk to you this afternoon that's Thanks. brett winnable bo thompson here time for a traffic check and by the way we did it at a slightly different time because uh, we had to tetris around some things because of uh, mick mulvaney's schedule so thanks to winnable for uh, being flexible there too Monday, February 19th, Ty Boyd Studio, Bo Thompson, Bernie Bowles, Tommy Freidenberg, Beth Troutman is off today, as is Jim Zoki. Thanks to Brett Wernerbull. I always, uh, you know, anytime we start talking about Rush Limbaugh and um, his legacy and, and now uh, Wernerbull being here and intertwined with that legacy, it, it never ceases to amaze me when I think back on those days when Wernerbull used to host Limbaugh show and then turn around and I'm not kidding like with about with less than a minute to turn around and uh, crank up his show in the afternoon and and mind you at that point in time he was filling in hosting the number one talk show in all of the land which is what Rush Limbaugh's show was so um, we're talking about Rush uh, Rush's passing he passed away three years ago on Saturday Craig is on line one wants to uh, talk about Rush Limbaugh Craig welcome to Good Morning BT Good morning, Bo. Uh, listen, I wanted to just express uh, a little appreciation for the kind words that were uh, said by you and, and Brett earlier today. And I just want to remind you and everybody else on the air there at BT that, that, that Rush primarily was an educator. And not only that, now you guys are as well. Vince, Pete, Brett uh, are all I, I consider you guys educators. You're teaching us uh, and, and, and helping to form, uh, uh, make sure that we have informed opinions. 
you could say the BT show has a little bit more of an aspect of infotainment, mm-hmm. but uh, nonetheless, uh, you're integral to uh, to what's happening in this world. And I just want to express appreciation for for Rush and for you guys as well. Well, Craig, I appreciate that uh, more than you'll ever know. It's appropriate that you say that, and I sort of touched on this a minute ago when I was talking to Winterbull. You're right. Uh, our lane in the morning is a little different than what you uh, get with the other shows here. Um, you know, we're, we're not about opinion here. We're about uh, sort of giving you all the information, and then you make your own opinion. That's what Beth and I say all the time. But I will say this, as I said to uh, Winterbull, I wouldn't be in radio. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing without Rush Limbaugh, at least in part, because when I was a kid, I was fascinated by rush not just it's, it's not the it's not the political stuff with rush so much with me as it was just the overall showman and crafter of talk radio and all of the elements that go into it the production y'all y'all know if nothing else right now bo's a production guy i came up as a producer i, I love uh, all of the stuff that goes into the show the sound and all of that and and rush was the first talk show i had ever heard uh that really incorporated all of that the music and the parody stuff and the and and the bumper music i mean uh, manheim steamroller he put them on the map back in the day because of the way he used those bumpers and stuff so to me uh i look at rush maybe a little bit differently than some of the people in talk radio do uh but my my affinity for rush really just comes uh from first and foremost he was a showman and uh, you're right he was an educator but you know there are a lot of educators out there that are boring and people get tired of rush knew how to make it make it timely and interesting and keep your attention you know yeah, you're, you're, that, that, that is a very valid point that uh, there are plenty of, of boring educators. Uh, and for what it's worth, uh, I never miss the BT show. So there you go. Well, thank you. Well, Craig, I appreciate <laughs> you calling, man. Thank. We have fun in the morning. I think you know that. And uh, Beth's not here today. I miss her. She'll, she'll be back soon. And uh, thank you. Thank you for the kind words, man. I appreciate it so much. You guys take care of yourselves. Talk to you later. You Bye-bye. too. That's Craig calling us here on WBT. Talking a little bit about Rush Limbaugh and uh, was talking to Winterbull because he uh, tweeted this weekend that uh, he was uh, thinking about Rush. Uh, again, some of you may not realize that uh, Brett Winterbull once uh, screen calls for Rush and worked as a producer on the EIB network. And uh, not a lot of people get to do that in this business. Not a lot of people get to sort of cut their teeth on the number one show in all of radio. So that's what I was talking about when, when I when, when we knew Hancock was uh, was going to retire. Immediately, people started thinking about who is going to replace John Hancock. And a lot of times in those situations, uh, what's the old saying? You don't want to be the guy that replaces the legend. You want to be the guy that replaces the guy that replaced the legend, right? <laughs> uh, I've had these conversations with Ty Boyd before when he was living about uh, taking over for Grady Cole. It's not easy, but uh, it's not just anybody that could have come in here and said, oh, well, I'm taking over for John Hancock, but the show that preceded John Hancock, which Rush Limbaugh, the number one show in all of radio. I used to work on that show, so I have that guy's endorsement. And if you don't believe me, I know I have his endorsement because, oh, by the way, I was the last guy that filled in for him when he was alive. Um, And if you remember, uh, back when Rush was in his final days, uh, he had... And he never had a huge bench of people that filled in for him. It was like Walter E. Williams and Mark Stein. And in earlier days, um, you know, like Sean Hannity got his his start because he filled in for Rush Limbaugh. 
Um, but there was not a it was not a huge bench of people that were approved to fill in for Rush Limbaugh. Brett Winterbull, uh filled in for him and then became one of those guide hosts that they had on the show when they were transitioning from Rush's death into what it is now, which is a different uh, a show. Uh, is this Jody? Is that is that right, to Tommy? Jody online too. Jody wants to say hello this morning on Good Morning BT. Hi, Jody. Hi. I just want to tell you, um, I've been listening to BT all my life, but um, I swear I count on getting my information for elections now. And I've been following Dale Fotwell when you've interviewed him. Mm -hmm. And um, I've been listening to Brett Jensen's podcast. But otherwise, it's so hard to get information. So I've been counting on BT. It's like the gentleman said, to inform and give us information. And I really appreciate that. Um, I remember all these um, people you've talked about that have been with BT for so so long ago, it seems like, and uh, getting information from Rush Limbaugh, too. But um, I, I just really appreciate that information. And they, I called Dale Falwell. I called the number on his website to see about getting signs, and he answered. And he said, got to give good customer um, service and I thought, yep, he said that on your show many times. Wait, so you called Dale Falwell and Dale Falwell himself answered? Yes, that's pretty impressive. You don't get that very often. I'm not surprised. No, I, I know. I was I was tickled and I didn't know what to say at first. Well, <laughs> that that that's cool. We've had him in here many times, as you say, and I'm not, I'm not surprised by that because he is he's a you know he's a state treasurer first and foremost, and he's uh, serving his constituents all the while running for office. So, Jody, I appreciate the phone call so much. Thanks for being out there. Thank you. Off she goes, and she brings up a good point. Before we go to news here, and I, I mentioned this earlier because I was playing some of the clips from uh, Brett Jensen uh, that he's been doing uh, on his Breaking with Brett Jensen show. You know, we're live and local here. I've worked here for a long time, so is Mark Garrison. Uh, we have not been able to say live and local from 5 a.m. to 8 p.m. Uh, for a, a good number of years. Part of that's because we had Limbaugh in the middle of the day, and he was that's the number true. one show. But when uh, when Rush uh, died, there was you know stations across the country that had carried him for decades had to decide what to do and that was no easy decision for a lot of stations of course we ended up deciding to uh, bring pete calendar back to the station and i think that has been uh, a, a very very good decision and pete's uh, earned his earned his stripes in that mm -hmm. tough spot but what we are now from 5 a.m to 8 p.m is live and local so you get the opportunity to hear a debate that we put on a few weeks ago and then you'll hear the candidates on the various daytime shows and then jensen can take those candidates and really get into the to the weeds uh, from seven to eight o'clock so you know whatever whatever you know, alley you're looking for as far as a degree of coverage, we can do it for you if you stick with us uh, from uh, from sun up to sun down, right? Right, Margaret, Mark Garrison. That is exactly right. So. Well said. All right. Well, I appreciate the phone calls. I didn't necessarily in intend to go down that road, but uh, sometimes <laughs> the listeners lead us where they need yeah, to. Sure. So, thanks all of you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Now, WIXC McKeesport continues with much more Wixie 1360 Solid Rock and Gold. Beatles. 
67. Hello, goodbye. It's 7.03 in the morning. I wish the Solid Rock and Gold of the Bachelor Jeff Radio Network from 1360. Solid Rock and Gold. And for the morning rush hour, sunny and cold today. Radar says a near 0% chance of precipitation. The streets right now are very good shape. The salt crews did a good job. That voice sound familiar? Out early. But really, they didn't even need to be out last night. It didn't snow that much. And That's the Jeff Christie, kind of it all circa the 1971. The streets are in very good shape. You may have some trouble on the back. Who would go on to become Rush Limbaugh? Now, see, that's what I was saying earlier, is my affinity for Rush at its base is Rush, the showman, the DJ, the guy that uh, made it all happen. Celebrating their 25th refrigerator So, see, this guy knows, this guy, this guy knew how to craft a radio show well before he did the whole political thing. And he's one of the few hosts that could talk for three hours straight, no production needed, and people would hang on his every word. But, uh... But he knew how to do it if he needed to. Jonathan, and we're talking about Rush. We got on this subject because I was talking to Winterbull, and Winterbull posted over the weekend about the three-year passing anniversary of Rush Limbaugh. Uh, he passed away back in 2021, uh, three years ago this past Saturday. So I was talking to Winterbull, who used to work for Rush before uh, he ultimately came here. And uh, we have Jonathan on line one, wants to uh, reminisce about Rush for a second here. Hi, Jonathan. Hey, Bo, long-time listener. Been listening to WBT for uh, 20-some years here, so uh, I'm glad I'm glad, uh, glad you guys are still going. Thank uh, you. You mentioned Rush this morning, and it was a little bit of a kick in the chest here, because uh, what I'd like to think is most boys have those bonding moments with their fathers in their, in their early teens. And, and one of my bonding moments with my dad, <clears throat> I get a little choked up, I'm sorry, mm. um, was in 88. Uh, we had a huge blizzard coming through uh, Idaho, and I was a paper boy. And my dad would, uh, during the blizzard and through all throughout the winter of 88, would take me out, and he would drive his 1967 Buick station wagon and, and uh, help me do my paper route. Well, it was, uh, it was during that time that I would listen to AM radio. He introduced me to AM radio, and two things happened. One, uh, I was youthful enough and ignorant enough to believe that the Bruce Willis I was listening to on the radio would do moonlighting at night and then come in and do a news radio in the morning. That's how <laughs> young I was. Uh, and two, we listened to this guy called Rush Limbaugh, who instilled in me a work ethic and the ability to see past what is given and look at agendas, reasonings for things. And I remember it, it was like an epiphany for me at 15. It was... Arguably had to be my first paradigm shift of my life. And when you mentioned Rush this morning, it was a little bit of a kick in the chest because my dad passed away two years ago, about a year after Rush did. So this brought up all kinds of memories. Wow. Well, um, Jonathan, I, you know, it's interesting. You said you're 15. When I was 15, um, that's when I – it's not when I started listening to radio, but it's when it started crystallizing for me. And, and it was about that time where I discovered Limbaugh, too. And I used to go – I used to go to my car at, on, at lunch at Myers Park High School, and we had like a sort of a lunch at that point in time where you could sort of go where you wanted to on campus. And so sometimes I would go to my car and uh, get my bag lunch out and turn it on BT and listen to him because I remember thinking, this guy just sounds different than anything I've ever heard. Uh, his voice, his cadence, his ability to sort of weave in and out of production elements. And, uh, you know, he could hear back then, so he did more of it than he did later in his career. But I just uh, I, th I thought to myself, and it really wasn't so much politics. It really wasn't. It was just, wow, that's a voice you have to listen to and pay attention to. And I know you know what I'm talking about. 
Yeah. Well, great. I appreciate you calling, and thanks for uh, for relaying that story. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you had that time with your dad. Thank you. Thank you. You have a blessed show. You too. Thanks so much. That's Jonathan uh, talking about Rush Limbaugh. And, you know, it's funny. I was telling Bernie this story earlier. I didn't have, I had no intention of saying this on the air. Um, but so we sort of got into talking about Rush Limbaugh. One of my last memories of Rush Limbaugh, and look, I never met him. I was never lucky enough like Winterbull did to meet him. Um, he did a, he did a few custom lines for WBT back in the day, which was really almost unheard of. He had so many stations. But I never met Rush, but in Rush's later days, this is right towards the end because this was the day of the inauguration of Joe Biden. So we did coverage here on the station. It was me and Coakley and Garrison and Winterbull. And so we, you know, we, we did the inauguration coverage. I've been through a few of these now uh, since I've been here, but I was anchoring the coverage and we were ending it and Russia's show was in progress. Okay. So I had to, as we say in the business, land the plane. Uh, and how was I going to do this? Was it going to be just we now join our regularly scheduled program already in progress uh, and sort of just join it whenever wherever it was? Or was I going to try to sync it up to when I knew Rush would be back from his break? And so uh, we start, I started looking at the clock because, remember, when I was a kid in high school, my, one of my part time jobs here at the station was I used to run the board for Rush's show. So I knew how his show worked. Rush would come back. He'd play a bumper song. He'd give the local station about. 20 or 30 seconds and then he'd start talking and so you'd come back from your commercial break and you'd fade up the the bumper and you'd join it but here i am thinking i was okay i'm going to be slick about this we're going to end our coverage and i'm sort of going to try to listen with one ear what's going on on the network and i'm going to try to sync it up to rush like it was all planned like rush was taking the baton from me and uh, listen to how this worked yeah, out he's got uh, he's got a group of advisors around him that are going to be important uh to him and let me just say very quickly i think he will utilize uh, Vice President Harris as an emissary to some of the groups, the individuals, especially those on the left, who feel like they may be left behind. This has been live coverage of the inauguration of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris on WBT for Brett Winterbull and Vince Coakley. I'm Bo Thompson. We now join the Rush Limbaugh show already in progress. Right here it is, my friends, in my formerly nicotine-stained fingers, according to the New York Times. And I've got this from the Hot Air blog. So that was just luck. Biden's incoming <laughs> economic I mean, like I said, I'd run the show, so I had an idea of how it might work out. But I took the risk. And uh, I have a picture of me <laughs> that I actually posted from that day. And you look it looks like I won the lottery. And like we always talk about how you, when you're in your music radio, you hit the post. You know, you walk up the song and you hit the post. That's a... That's, that's called hitting the post and talk radio. And um, the, I showed Bernie the picture, and I look way too excited. And I think the post was something to the effect of, if you know, you know. <laughs> so there's, a, there's another memory of Rush Limbaugh that I certainly didn't uh, play. I was just playing it for Bernie earlier. And now uh, you all have called and talked about Rush. So it was, uh, you know, made, it seemed like it was appropriate to bring that up. But uh, memories, because Rush was a, a force, number one show in all of radio. But at, at his roots, he was a radio guy. And he knew the nuts and bolts. Let me ask you guys something. I mean, WBT, how did you guys both get your like initials into the call letters <laughs> of the station? Well, it how took us about a, about 101 years, David. <laughs> well, that is brilliant. Wait a minute, you know. This could this be huge. Meant to be tea. <laughs> it was meant to be T. Look at you. You just read another tagline for us. But it, it was meant to be. It'll be. It'll be. Baby, just let it be. It was meant to be T. Bo and Beth.
This is Good Morning BT. You thought we'd come up with something good. Now you just took it next level. Yep. That was meant to BT. Oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> great talking with you guys. This is really, really exciting. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Bo, I was about to say in Beth, because I'm so used to saying that Beth is off today. So it's Bo and Bernie and Tommy. Zoke is off as well. Got President's Day, so uh, lighter traffic going around. A lot of kids not in school, so a little bit of an exhale day. Thanks for joining us. We've been talking about a lot of things. And uh, Rush Limbaugh, I was reminded over the weekend that uh, Saturday was the three-year passing anniversary of of Rush Limbaugh, who was such a a mainstay in this business and, of course, on this radio station for many years. And uh, a lot of you have wanted to chime in on Rush. Real quick, Kirk is on line one. Hi, Kirk. Welcome to Good Morning BT. Hey, good morning. I guess I can't say BT squared. I guess it's BBT since it's three of you guys. But uh, <laughs> what I wanted to say was uh, your uh, the choice of having uh, Pete fill in in that slot. I think it was genius. He is. I don't think a better choice could have been made than than, than that. And so, so it's really kind of a seamless transition from Rush Limbaugh to Pete, if you ask me. Yeah, it has uh, it has been a fantastic fit. And, you know, I, I worked with Pete on the front end. He and I both are here in our sort of second uh, times around. Uh, really, me, the third time around, because if you count pre-college. But Pete, uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s, he started here as a reporter, uh, came from yeah, Rock I remember, Hill. I remember him back then, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, he and, and we all sort of listened to him sort of evolve as uh, from a reporter into a talk show host. So if you remember the reporter, Pete, you, you saw him uh, and the, the in-depth reports that he used to do. I mean, he sort of made his name in this town covering the Ray Carruth trial. But you saw in those exactly. early days, Pete was one of those guys who wanted to get into the weeds on things, and, you know, he would scrutinize the entire city council meeting and just he's one of the most uh, uh, cerebral book smart guys that I've ever, I've ever come across uh, but back in those days he didn't exactly scream that someday he was going to be a talk show host but he left as I did and we sort of had to go out there and kind of uh craft the the, the 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 full part of what you're ultimately going to do and uh, I was a right. production I was a production guy Pete was a news guy but we both left to sort of learn the ropes of the business that we hadn't yet and then you come back and you see what Pete's doing now and uh, Kirk I completely agree with you it, it wasn't necessarily where I thought Pete was going to, to start but now that he's landed there it's like a, it fits like a glove and it's basically uh, like a you know he's like a local version of Rush Limbaugh which um, you know if you would have gone out and said I'm trying to find this this guy in some big uh, head-hunting head search, uh, you wouldn't. You probably would have overlooked the fact that the guy that belonged there was uh, right underneath your thumb, and yep. uh, he came here from Asheville and came back home and has been like I, I agree with you. He's just been uh, a tremendous, yeah. tremendous like addition. It's meant to be, I think. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. It's meant to be yeah. T. So uh, thank oh, you, there Kirk. You go. Meant to be T. Yeah. Uh, have a good day. You too, buddy. Take care. Uh, off he goes. So listen, uh, I'm going to change the subject a bit here, but tomorrow is going to be a very interesting day here on the Great Colossus because uh, Bernie and I don't know if. Beth's going to be back tomorrow or not, uh, but I hope she is for this, because tomorrow, you all know that Bernie, we told you a few weeks ago that Bernie and his wife, Emma, are expecting a child. Yes. And a a child. child. Yes. Well, I say a child uh, because I, I don't know. Uh, Just one. Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> Just one. But, to, but you're later today, after the show, you're going to find out whether it's a boy or a girl. Yeah, my wife, uh, we had an ultrasound last week, and we couldn't tell on the ultrasound because she was so, um, it's, it's, she wasn't far along enough. And uh, 
got blood taken and she got the results this morning, maybe like five minutes ago, and texted me and she's uh, going to drive over to her office right after work and uh, we're going to open up the results together. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. awesome. I'm Congratulations, buddy. I'll live stream it. Everybody can see. I'm betting on a girl. You're oh, betting on a girl. Yeah. No. There's no. so many girls in my family, Mark. <laughs> Bernie, do you have a preference? Um, I've been saying I really, I hope it's a boy because I'm the only boy in my family and I would really love to be able to carry my name on, mm-hmm. you know, just for my dad's sake. I think that would make him happy and, and all that good stuff. But I really just want a healthy baby. Um, I'd be happy either way. Um, I've, I've grown up with, with girls. Uh, I have four sisters, no brothers. Um, so I'm, I'm totally equipped to, to be a girl dad. I would not mind that at all, but I mean, Hey, I, bowls could be a good girl first name, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pass great. it along that way. Yeah. Bowls. Bowls, bowls. That's just like Fantastic. You know, Susan or <laughs> Catherine. Uh, well, so we're going to find out on the show tomorrow. You're going to let us know. Yeah. All right. Yeah, Very yeah. cool. Really awesome. excited. Well, you know, some people some people want to know. Some people don't. Uh, some people want to be surprised on the day that the child is born. But it's become a much more of a common thing uh, these days to do these big, huge, grandiose <laughs> gender reveals. Revealed, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're going to start a fire in the Charlotte area today. <laughs> if I well, see any ar- confetti, ar- I know. Who to look for arson in the Highland Creek area today? A gender reveal gone wrong. Well, you hear about a lot of these these gender reveals gone wrong. Uh, look, I mean, but you, you say you're going to kind of play it low key and just yeah, annou- we're not going to announce do. it over the fifty thousand watts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that's that's a gender key. reveal. Yeah, that's a gender. I like that. So we'll we'll, we'll all find out together tomorrow. So. Uh, that'll be fun. We have uh, an old friend of the show who's doing something today that he's always wanted to do. Call part of the Daytona 500 uh, because Doug Rice, who is uh, synonymous with the Performance Racing Network and longtime voice of PRN, uh, helped found the whole thing. Uh, Doug is, is is retiring after this season. He announced that a few weeks ago, and he comes on the show periodically. But uh, you may not know this. This is somewhat inside baseball for uh, for NASCAR, but PRN and MRN. Motor Racing Network. They, uh, you know, they tag team all of the races on the NASCAR schedule. So some of them MRN does, some of them PRN does. Uh, MRN is traditionally the Daytona, uh, the, the race callers, but they, because of Doug's final run this year, have invited him to be part of the broadcast today, which is delayed by a day because of the rain. So Doug's going to call part of the Daytona 500 this afternoon. He's going to call us coming up after the news. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. From News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT, this is Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. Well, you heard Sharon talking about... Uh, the races that are scheduled for today and whether the weather's going to cooperate or not. Got a Monday doubleheader, the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series at 11 a.m. and the 2024 Daytona 500 at 4 this afternoon on a Monday because rain delayed things on Saturday and Sunday. So, hey, because we can, let's go live to Daytona right now and welcome on the WBT Hotline one of my favorite people in the broadcast business, Doug Rice, the voice of PRN, is with us today. Good morning, Doug Rice. Good morning, Bo, and I can confirm what Sharon said. Just looked out the window. It is still raining here in Daytona, although very lightly. It has rained almost nonstop for 48 hours up until right now. So that puts uh, the Xfinity race, I mean, you're, you're inside two hours here. Uh, do you think this thing is going to happen on time? No. No. 
I, I, I'd be shocked if they've got cars rolling at 11 o'clock. I'm sure they built in some cushion time. And both will remember back last May in Charlotte, and I'm not saying this will happen. Uh, we got postponed till Monday, and they started the Xfinity race, ran some of it, stopped, then ran the 600, and came back and finished up the Xfinity race. So NASCAR will do whatever it takes to try to get the show in. So is the the forecast there uh, that, I mean, do you think you'll be able to get something in today? Oh, yeah, I think so. Okay. I, I think we'll get both of the races in. What the schedule's going to look like, anybody's guess, Dan. But I, I think we'll get both the Xfinity race and, of course, the, the Daytona 500. We'll get run at some point today. Well, look, I wanted to have you on for a number of reasons. I didn't realize that we'd be able to do it ahead of the race today. I thought uh, it might be uh, after the race uh, as far as things being originally scheduled. But you uh, don't normally get to do what you're about to do today. In fact, you've never been able to do this, have you? No, I'm going to be working with the crew from the Motor Racing Network, MRN as they're more popularly known. They've had the exclusive rights for forever to do the Daytona 500 and a lot of other races. And this is an item that if you're in our business, the NASCAR broadcasting business, you want to be able to say, I worked on a Daytona 500 broadcast. So they were nice enough to come across the aisle and said, hey, do you want to come up to the booth? And I'm basically making a cameo. I think I'm going to do 10 or 15 laps of play-by-play with their crew. But it's, it'll be enough for me to say, hey, I've worked today. It's on a 500. Really a classy act on their part. And I don't know that I've been this anxious about going to broadcast a race in a long time. <laughs> well, look, uh, let's, uh, let's uh, rewind for just a minute. Now, you made the announcement a few weeks ago that this is going to be your last season uh, full-time calling races for, for anybody, for PRN, and, and, and you are gonna, uh, you're going to effectively retire, correct? Exactly. Uh, my wife and I talked a lot about it and prayed on this and decided there's a lot of the country we want to see. There's other things that we want to do, and you can't do that if you're spending 100 nights a year in hotel rooms around the country. So uh, I'll be retiring. I'm still going to do my fast talk show on Mondays and do some substituting on uh, satellite radio, but for the most part, I'm going to be stepping away from this, and I'm, I'm perfectly okay with that. Well, uh, I remember, was it, uh, how many years ago has it been now? Because we had you on the air when you did it, but you did the Iron Man broadcast, uh, the Indianapolis and then, and then uh, uh, Charlotte uh, for, the, for the Coca-Cola 600. What year was that? I mean, it's been what? I want to say that was 17. Yeah. I mean, uh, 2017. I'm, it was pre-pandemic. It was for the 99th race at Indy, and went up and worked the Indy 500 on pit road, and then they hustled us down to Charlotte and got back here in time to anchor the Coke 600. Uh, it, it was a heck of a day. That's, that has got to be the singular coolest race-related thing I've done in this, this whole run of, 36 years. That's a while. Wow. Well, I, so I know today has got to kind of fit in that same category, right? You know, things that you uh, maybe never thought you'd do, but uh, it's really cool or it's going to be cool to say that you did. It, absolutely, though. I mean, this is a real treat, and I can't say enough good about the guys and gals at MRN for having me to come over. And next week, the other kind of, man, I really never thought I'd get to do that sort of thing happens. I'm the Grand Marshal at the Atlanta race, which means 
in essence, I get to give the command to start the race next week. Well, this is this is fantastic that it's all happening, and I know the, the collective, not just a NASCAR broadcasting community, but broadcasting at large, especially in this part of the country, loves to see it happening to somebody like you. I I was talking last hour. Uh, we, we got down the road of talking about Rush Limbaugh because uh, our our afternoon host Brett Winterbull used to work for Rush and uh, mentioned over the weekend that it was the three year uh, Saturday was three years since Rush Limbaugh passed, and I I started talking about Rush and I said. My affinity for Rush Limbaugh is is not not really politics. It's just he's a guy that I heard early in my career uh, that made me go, "Wow!" Now that's a different sounding voice, and that guy knows what he's doing, and he he compels me to listen. And he used all the 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 you know all the tools to make a a good radio broadcast. And I I liken you to him in that way as well because when I first heard you call a race, I thought, "Now that guy." has something. That guy has a unique sound, and you've become sort of like the audio tapestry, uh, among other voices as well, but you're one of them uh, that really defines and personifies uh, NASCAR racing. So uh, I also wanted to have you on today just to say to you that um, I'm glad that you're leaving on your own terms, and I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that it's something that you want to do, but uh, the broadcasting world's going to miss you, and you're just one of those voices that uh, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm lucky that you come on the show, and when you do, it just makes the show that much better. Well, Bo, you're welcome to call me at any time. That, those, <laughs> those are very high praise there. I, I really appreciate that. It's storytelling. I mean, sports casting, when you boil it down, it's telling the story. It's whether you're doing NASCAR racing or the Carolina Panthers or whatever, it's all about making the story interesting and telling it in a way that you can visualize it while you're driving down the interstate. We do that. You know, we've won, and Man, it's been fun. I've enjoyed every minute of this, and uh, the things that I'm going to get to over the next couple of weeks are really going to add something. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, when I, when you think of Vin Scully, you think of the Dodgers. When you, when I hear Pete Van Weren and, and Skip Carey and, and, and Don Sutton and Ernie Johnson, I think of the Braves. When I hear your voice, yeah. I think NASCAR. Uh, so we're all going to miss that voice, but I'm glad to know it's going to be here and there and not completely gone. Now, uh, look, uh, last thing, uh, the Daytona 500, we hope it goes off today uh, in full or at least in part. Uh, who are you watching? What's the storyline that Doug Rice is uh, eyeing as you're going to actually call this on the radio for the first time? I feel really encouraged that we will race today. What the schedule's going to look like, not sure. I'm watching three guys that have never won this race that keep trying. Uh, Mark Truex Jr. has never won it. He's tried it 20 times. He hasn't won down here. Kyle Busch is coming up on his 20th time. He's tried 19 times. He's never won the 500. Brad Keselowski's tried 16 times, and he's never won. All three of those drivers have won NASCAR championships they haven't won the Daytona 500. And no matter what people tell you, if you have a great career in the sport, but you don't win this race, everybody remembers it. Rusty Wallace didn't do it. Tony Stewart, Mark Martin did all these other things, never won here. So we've got some big-name veteran drivers that have not won this that are trying to add that to their, their career mark. That's what I'm looking at today. My favorite, and I don't know why, I think it's going to be Joey Logano. He's won this before. I think you may get another one. There you go. Well, look, it's been fun to have you on this morning. Have fun down there. I know this is a great thing uh, to add to your to your, your final uh, resume. And, uh, again, thanks for uh, always coming on the show here. It means a lot to me. 
Always appreciate it, Bo. Take care. Thank All right. you. There's Doug Rice, the legend himself, uh, going to call it quits after this NASCAR season, but gets to do today what he's never done, uh, and that is to call part of the Daytona 500 the, the granddaddy of them all. Hey, by the way, Mick Mulvaney going to join us coming up at 9.35. He's got uh, kind of a wacky schedule this week and last week, so he's not in studio, obviously, today for the 9 o'clock hour, but he'll be back a week from today on the heels of what then will be the South Carolina primary. So Mick Mulvaney by phone coming up in just a few. Hey, this is this is right off the press here. I mean, this is like... That copy's steaming. Though. It is steaming. Yeah. Uh... Should have, should have chosen a different word there, probably. Uh, it is, uh, it's flaming. No, that, not the bad word, too. Uh, it's fire. Fire. It's fire. There you go, Bernie. Brett Jensen join Breaking Brett Jensen at the first WBT Cigar Club Meetup of 2024. Coming Thursday, February 29th. Does that mean uh, if it goes well, we'll do it every four years? Hey, Jensen. On leap, would, leap year? Jensen would approve of this music. This is fantastic. <laughs> well, see. Of course he would pick a date that, you know, could only be repeated once every four years <laughs> to get himself out of it for the next three. See, uh, every leap year. Cigar aficionados know why I'm playing this music. If you know, you know. Uh, 6 to 9 p.m. at the Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Barn in Gastonia. Watch Brett, and I say watch, not just listen, but watch Brett host Breaking with Brett Jensen. He'll do that live. You can browse premium cigar brands, including Cohiba, and enjoy giveaways and specials courtesy of The Vintage. It's the WBT Cigar Club, Thursday, February 29th, at The Vintage Whiskey and Cigar Bar in Gastonia. Seating is limited. Lock in your reservation today. Email cigar at WBT.com for reservations. Again, cigar at WBT.com for reservations. And long ashes to you. So I want to bring in uh, Tommy and Bernie for a second here. And like I said, uh, we got Mick Mulvaney coming up after the news. But I want to bring you guys in because we haven't talked a whole lot about this. But um, 211 to 186, that was the score last night out of Indianapolis at the 2024 NBA All-Star Game. 211 to 186. That's a combined score of 397 points. Now, I know that they, that the commissioner was talking beforehand about this game. He wanted to try to make it competitive again, wanted everybody to play and have a reason to play. Well, um, did they did they even play any defense in this game? I mean, this is I mean, come on. I like to see the the stars score, but I think they've got, I think they've gotten to a point where it's they they focus too much on the entertainment portion of it and less on the I mean it's basketball man like we're here to watch the best players in the NBA play against each other which is something you don't get to see night in and night out it's once a year and my in my personal opinion there's kind of diminishing returns on you know logo threes and off the backboard alley-oop when there's no yes it's difficult it's not they're not things I can do regularly and pull off obviously but you know these are guys who are incredibly gifted and incredible athletes all they do is hone their craft so yes when they're going out there and there's no defense being played or anything like that then it's sort of a glorified you know faster pace i guess dunk contest three-point contest um and they already have that at the all-star game did you guys watch any of this 
No. No? Saw some clips. I mean, you guys are big NBA fans. I haven't watched the All-Star game since they had it here in Charlotte. What does that say about things, though? Bernie, you're, I mean, both of you are huge yeah. Hornets fans. Now, I know this season has Yeah, the Hornets <laughs> weren't really well represented in but the All-Star But, I mean, game. I, I'm an NBA <laughs> fan. I used to love the NBA. Mm-hmm. Um, and I watched the All-Star game last night. I don't think, I think, a begin, just by looking at this score, and I, I went to bed before the end of it, but I'm, not only was there no defense, I think they were told they weren't allowed to play defense. I mean, how else do you get a score 211 to 186? Carl Anthony Towns scored 50 points, and you'd probably say that's— And still lost. Yeah, yeah about, I did catch a—I right. catch a, caught a Draymond Green yeah. um, comment. He was like, it's like it's the old Minnesota Timberwolves days. Cats got 40, and they're still down 20. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, now look, uh, Major League Baseball got all of this backlash, what, about 10, 15 years ago, where for about 10 years— I don't know how long it was, eight, ten years, whatever it was, where they, they made the All-Star Game winner. That, that The winner of the All-Star Game got home field advantage in the World Series. And there were so many baseball purists who said, I hate this, this is terrible. I've watched baseball since I was a kid. I loved it. In fact, since it was gone, I miss it because there's skin in the game. Absolutely. And it's only like that... Home field advantage being determined by the All Star Game in like an MLB. The only peep there's two teams at the end of the day that ends up impacting the two in the World Series. Mm-hmm. For everybody else, you know, all the other what 28 teams, they're not going to be there. All of their fans, it don't doesn't matter. So it might as well be a draw in the middle of the season in the doldrums of you know the 162 game you know dog days of summer type situation. You might you got to have. Something exciting. And the NBA, I feel like it's kind of the same way with 82 games. You got to find a way to make the get, people have limited free time, they have limited attention span. And when you give them a game that, you know, already on paper doesn't mean anything, and you know, people, the people playing aren't going to be trying. So, how come when I was, watch? when I was coming up watching Michael Jordan and Larry Bird and, 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 and all those guys play each other in the All Star games and Magic, the games were competitive. I, like, think, I think there's a there's it maybe I I'm they just out cared of about winning for the sake of winning. It's an alpha male mentality yeah. that I feel like we don't really have anymore in in, in sports. It's, Load it's more management, of a, more of a camaraderie <laughs> type thing. Like they're all right. friends. They, they, they guys hang out outside of basketball. But whenever Michael Jordan was playing some of these guys, like Bill Lambeer, mm-hmm. like these guys were they not going out to no. have a beer after right. the game, you know? Like Dennis they, Rodman. They and, genuinely yeah. disliked each other. I don't know if that really happens as much anymore in the NBA. Well, I think what part of the problem is now as, A, you know, you're getting with social media and regional sports networks and, every you know, every team being able to be on, be watched by their fans if they want to be, always be having a stage. And also with the AAU circuits and that kind of thing, yeah. everybody grows up playing either with or against each other. Yep. Well, so these, you're uh, friends with you're making friends with these. Kids. These are my 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 NBA guys. You guys come in every day wearing the Hornets <laughs> paraphernalia and and uh, but 211 to 186. That's, yeah. Next year they should just play horse. Yeah. Or just I do would one, watch one, that. one on one. But I did I did really like the Steph Curry against uh, Sabrina Inescu. I, I thought that was cool. And uh, I, I, look, I give Steph Steph credit for for doing it because um, he had a lot to lose there. And he almost did, if you watch that. Uh, she's uh, she can she can shoot. A uh, shooter is a shooter, as she says. Uh. The road.
road to election 2024 goes through Good Morning BT. Mr. Trump, welcome to Charlotte Radio. Good morning, Bob. Nikki Haley. You have a unique voice that you bring to the table. Good morning. It's great to be with both of you. The biggest names. Well, I appreciate you making some time for us here in Charlotte on WBT. Great city. The biggest year. Welcome to the District 8 North Carolina Republican Congressional Debate. Continuing coverage of all the campaigns. Jeff Jackson. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Congressman Dan Bishop. Good morning, Bo. Beth. Hi. Bo and Beth take you all the way to November. Talking to U.S. Senator Tim Scott here on Good Morning BT. Thank you, Bo and Beth. It's good to be with y'all. This is Good Morning BT. Monday in the Ty Boyd studio and now less than a week until the South Carolina primary. Bo Thompson here. Beth is off today on the WBT hotline. We're going to link up here with Mick Mulvaney, and uh, it's been a it's been a, a a little bit since you and I talked. Uh, nothing going on, just a, just a lazy week last week, right? Yeah, you know it's always boring in American politics. <laughs> How you doing, my friend? Oh, I was under the weather a little bit, so I apologize for the roughness of my voice, but. Uh... I've missed getting in there. Look forward to get back there next week. Well, we're less than a week, Mick, and uh, has, has, has as far as you can see, has anything changed in this Trump versus Haley race as we're getting down to the uh, to the nitty gritty here? Not a lick. I mean, not even just a little bit. If anything, I think Nikki may have lost a couple of points in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I can't tell if she's just decided that it's all or nothing, or if she's just decided that. You know, she's going she's gonna to go ahead and be the anti-Trump candidate. She's certainly become a lot more aggressive in her language against the former president in the last couple of weeks. I don't necessarily you know, think it's a, a, a bad decision by her, but it's just not working. It's just it, there's, she's not moving the needle in her favor. The last poll I had uh, that I saw had her down by more than 30 points, which is, again, more than she was down two weeks ago last time we, ta- we talked. Well, uh, we'll talk more about Nikki Haley uh, in, in a little bit. I want to talk about the front runner, uh, Donald J. Trump. Uh, did you have it on your bingo card late last week that uh, Trump would uh, would launch a, a sneaker? <laughs> um, no, I didn't. Uh, I did Australian television last night, and they asked me. They said, uh, "So, what's up with the president's new golden shoe company?" I'm like, "There's a there's a line in the English language that no one has ever thought to utter." Um, the president's former president's golden shoe company. No, <laughs> listen, the man is a branding genius. It's what he does. I'm not sure it's going to make any money, but I did hear they sold out of all the $400 pairs of shoes they had at that convention last week in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, he shows up at SneakerCon just because he can, and uh, he introduced the Never Surrender High Top Sneaker selling for uh, $3.99, and uh, they're all gone. I don't know whether uh, they'll make more, but they're all gone. And, uh, you know, I remember back when you and I were talking about the time that he he released the Trump, uh, was the NFT? Remember those days? And, And now we're talking about sneakers and uh, not exactly the move. I mean, the $355 million judgment in the civil case uh, last week. And uh, like I said, if you had on your bingo card that his next move following that would be uh, launching a shoe line, then uh, good luck to you there. Yeah, you're going to have to sell a lot of shoes to pay that. I don't think you can end up paying all that. You know, I've talked to some of my friends in the in the legal community in New York, and they, they know that an appeal will be pending. Um, it'll come down a little bit, they think, but not a lot. And he's going to be on the hook there for you know, a, a big chunk of money. Of course, you add that to the $83 million that he was found liable to E. Jean Carroll. These are real serious amounts of money. That being said, I uh, didn't get a lot of attention last week, but the Securities Exchange Commission approved the um, the acquisition of Truth Social, his uh, his competitor Twitter or X, 
and that's going to make him, I don't know, $80, 90000000 million, I think. In fact, I think it's a little bit more than that. So a lot of ups and a lot of downs when you're Donald Trump, it seems. Yeah, and uh, just before that, the Fonnie Willis situation in Fulton County, that certainly became a circus last week. Um, uh, exactly what he wanted. Um, I was doing TV on News Nation last week. So what do you think? I said, Donald Trump won this. He absolutely did. This has become a sideshow. It's become the Jerry Springer show. It's become daytime sort of, you know, television. And it completely undermines the legitimacy of, uh, or any legitimacy against uh, of the cases against Trump. And they're not very legitimate to begin with. So when, when you see Fonnie Willis having to go and talk about piles of cash in her safe, and whether or not she prefers, you know, uh, red wine to expensive vodka. This is the Jerry Springer show, which Trump absolutely loves. So it was a huge win for him last week. Um, and I know we've got, you know, you almost get tired of saying that and say, how can these, these lawsuits against him be positive politically? But they are. Um, and you can see it in the numbers. He continues to do better against the Haley and continues to do better against Joe Biden. I saw the uh, Never Surrender High Top Sneaker, and all I could think of, God rest his soul, is Carl Weathers, Apollo Creed, dropping down from the ceiling in Rocky IV. It looks like something right out of Rocky IV. Mick Mulvaney joins us right now on WBT, and uh, yeah, talking about the Trump sneaker. As you said earlier, I mean, uh, <laughs> leave it to the marketing genius he is. I mean, uh, if, if anybody could have made that into something, it's Donald Trump. Well, we'll see how many he can sell. Um, it's, it's got to, again, you got to sell what? My guess is about a million of them to make $400 million. So yeah. we'll, see how it, uh, we'll see how it goes. All right, so I want to play you a clip. We had Nikki Haley on the show last week. I want to play you a clip of that interview. I asked her a question about uh, a couple thirds way through the interview. Do you think Biden is going to be the nominee? And if you don't think it's going to be Biden, who do you think it's going to be at this point that you may eventually uh, move on to face? No, I don't going to be the nominee, and I think Democrats know that. What I can tell you is there will be a female president of the United States. It will either be me or it will be Kamala Harris. Either Nikki Haley or Kamala Harris, but there will be a female. She said that last week in our interview. I've seen her say it a couple of times in uh, some subsequent interviews, but I, that, to my knowledge, that's the first time she said that when we were talking to her, uh, Beth and me, last week. What about that statement? Yeah, it's the big issue right now across the political spectrum, right? Left, right, in Washington, D.C., all over the country. Ever since that Department of Justice report came out about Joe Biden, um, you know, referring to him as coming across as a, as a forgetful old man and so forth. So uh, half of my Democrat friends are absolutely swearing up and down that it's Biden-Harris, you know, to the death, that there is no chance of any change whatsoever. Any change whatsoever. And the other half are wringing their hands and going, how soon can we get rid of Joe Biden? Um, and then if they get rid of Joe Biden, is it really Kamala Harris? So it, it, no one knows. No one knows. Um, I wrote a piece for The Hill last week on exactly this, and this is all, the only thing I think I can add to the debate. Watch Jim Clyburn. Um, if they decide to make a move uh, at the presidency, they try to decide that the Democrats decide to try to replace um, Joe Biden, uh, it will be Jim Clyburn along with Barack Obama and a couple other leaders of the Black Caucus in Washington, D.C., that you'll have to go to, because either they will come to Kamala Harris's defense, or they will go on TV and say, you know what, we really like uh, Gretchen Whitmer in, in Michigan, or we really like Gavin Newsom. Um, if you're going to make a move like that, it's going to have to be led by the the, uh, the Black Caucus in Washington, D.C., and that includes Jim Clyburn from South Carolina. He was on TV this weekend, 
um, talked a little bit about the race, did not talk about you know potential replacements. But uh, those are the folks to watch. They have no idea what they're going to do. So anybody who on the Republican side who pretends to know what they're going to do is, is just making it up. Well, let me put uh, two more names out there. No doubt you've heard uh, these two names somewhere uh, along the process. But uh, Hillary Clinton and uh, the former first lady. Michelle Obama. Any any way those two could figure back into this mix, in your view? Um, two two answers in the reverse order. Michelle Obama. I don't I don't know the Obamas. I don't pretend to have inside information. Every single Democrat I've talked to, and I know Democrats up and down the party, including former National Party chairman, former governor, senators, etc., say there's no chance, zero chance, that Michelle Obama will uh, will run for public office. Um, she never liked being in public office in the first place. Uh, the family is done with Washington. They're making a ton of money. They have some privacy for the first time in a long time. Zero interest whatsoever from the Obama family. That's coming from some Democrats who should know better than I do for sure. On the Hillary Clinton side, um, while I'm sure she'd love to do that, keep in mind there's one thing we know about Hillary Clinton, and that is she can lose to Donald Trump. And that's the one thing the Democrats can't stand. If they do move to get rid of Joe Biden, it's because they're going to be concerned that Joe Biden will lose to Donald Trump. Their plan right now plan A, B, C, and D is to just to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't win. And Hillary Clinton has proven one thing above all, which is that she can lose to Donald Trump. Well, and I said uh, former first lady. I should have said ladies, plural, obviously, because they both have been that. But when you think of Hillary Clinton, uh, you think more recently as a presidential candidate and, of course, senator before she was uh, first lady back in the day when her husband was in the White House. Okay, so uh, this this story late last week, Alexei Navalny uh, dies in prison in Russia. Now, um, it's interesting because uh, you'd had the vote earlier in the week for this aid package that passed in the Senate without uh, anything uh, earmarked for the border. But, uh, you know, Tom Tillis, for example, said one of the reasons he voted for this uh, here in North Carolina is because uh, of the situation of what it could escalate towards uh, with Russia and Ukraine. You had uh, people, many people on the Republican side saying that, well, uh, it sounds like things are under control control over there, and then something like this happens as it relates to Russia, this has got to be, uh, this, this is obviously a, 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 a bad moment for, for President Biden, because now uh, everyone's looking down on him to see what, what, what are you going to do next, and it gives Trump uh, reason to say, uh, you got to be tough on Russia. What, what do you make of uh, the political fallout of the, of the death of one of Putin's biggest critics? Uh, very little. Um, I don't really think it'll have an impact uh, on what's happening in Washington, D.C. Uh, it's a terrible thing. There's no question about it. And the fact that Donald Trump hasn't talked about it is a little disappointing. Um, but I don't think it impacts politics much in Washington, D.C. In the bottom line is this, and you hate to say it like this, but this is the world we live in. It doesn't really surprise anybody. And there's nobody who's sitting around Washington going, oh, only we have done something different. This wouldn't have happened. Um, Putin's a bad guy. He just is. He kills people. He drops people out of uh, out of, uh, of, of buildings. He poisons people. That's he's always been like that. This former KGB operator at the highest level. So to suggest that you know he, he, he wouldn't do this is is it's just absurd. Um, it's um, uh, I just don't think it's going to move the needle. 
All right, uh, final thing I want to ask you about, and this is uh, an interesting situation, uh, somewhat predictable, though, at least in part, in that Michael Watley looks like uh, he's going to be the guy to take over for Ronald McDaniel. He gets the endorsement from uh, former President Trump. That's no surprise. But now uh, it appears that Laura Trump, uh, the president's uh, daughter-in-law, may end up being co-chair with Michael Watley. You know, Nikki Haley's been critical of this on the campaign trail. Uh, You would expect that. But what about the idea of Laura Trump and Michael Watley heading the national party uh, i'd like it a lot you know i've talked about on, on the show you know i've known michael for 30 years he's a north carolina party chair very competent guy there was actually some discussion about him possibly running for the chairman's position uh, a couple of years back he's going to be very very good he is um low-key sort of a low ego kind of guy good operator going to be a good administrator i think he'd be an excellent party chairman Laura Trump is going to have to learn a little bit about what the RNC is about. You know, she went out and said that every dime that they raise is going to go to Donald Trump. That's not how the RNC works. Every dime that they raise will go to, to help all Republicans. Then it's not the Trump campaign. It's, um, it, you know, it's, a, it's, it's related to the Trump campaign. It's not the same. Every Republican nominee, every Democrat nominee always puts their people in charge of the national party as you go into the national election. Of course, Donald Trump's not technically the nominee yet, but it looks like that's going to happen. So I actually thought this was a pretty good move. Um, on, on the part of the party, Ronald McDonald had lost the confidence of the, president, uh, the former president. So it's the right time to make the move, and I think Mike will do a great job. So you'll be in studio with us uh, this coming Monday, a week from today. Uh, Want to make a prediction about South Carolina as far as the margin goes? Yeah, I got Trump by 32. By 32. All right. Duly noted. I appreciate you coming on. Safe travels out there, and we'll see you on the flip side. Thanks, Bob. There he is, Mick Mulvaney. Former White House Chief of Staff and, of course, South Carolina Congressman, White House Budget Director, and joins us uh, most Mondays between 9 and 10, and he'll be back in studio a week from today.